Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today we have the Tomorrow Man, Mike. Hello. We have the Master of Time, Curtis. Hi. We have the inventor from tomorrow, the man who keeps us all together, keeps everything going, Steve. Hi. And we have Superman's pal, Rob. I I have a, a sound watch called Superman. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, he might. <laughs> not not in this continuity, though. I don't even think they're friends anymore, Rob. Isn't he a girl? In the movie. Oh. Just, just in the movie. Just, just in the movie. Well, he acts like a girl. Mm. A <laughs> Jimmy probably gets more tone in this universe than he ever did before. <laughs> it's because he's chasing rabbits. I thought, he got his, I thought he got his brains blown out. No, no. By no. the Joker. Yeah. Jimmy Olsen? No. Oh, <laughs> oh that was Injustice. Oh, okay. That's a video game. <laughs> there you go. It's a di- different world. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Jimmy's done a lot of things. Okay. Not enough. I don't feel like I. He's I had his own to... book. He did. He did. He's had giant powers and stretchy powers and turned into a turtle and got eye vision and became eye a vision. superhero. <laughs> he can see. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> I guess I guess heat vision would be more appropriate, but I think eye vision comes standard with Jimmy Olsen. That's that's good. He also, he also has, his glasses. He also has hearing power. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes he can make the little farty sound with his armpit. Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, that's yeah. He was rainbow colored one time. Yes. Yeah. Like so, Jim, Jimmy had a pretty colorful past. Okay. <laughs> So, yeah. And so was the Hulk, wouldn't he? <laughs> so was Batman's costume. That's yeah, <laughs> true. It's, yeah. Uh, Things happening in the 60s are bad. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I think from Earth 3, doesn't he take dirty pictures of Lois Lane in the new universe? That's yeah. what it sounds like. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> God, <you> just... <laughs> All right. So, uh, books today. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, we're going to do just... master of time. What are you complaining about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back where this didn't happen. Oh, I, 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 I wish I could. It's a good choice. Okay, so Justice League uh, 28. Uh, number one of New Warriors. Undertow, number one. Winter Soldier, number one. This is the, uh, the Winter's March. And then Supergirl, number 28. The Red Daughter Krypton, part one. <laughs> <laughs> After part two and three already Surprisingly came out. Surprisingly enough, I, yeah. I guess in, in the order it would actually be part zero. Because I was, I was looking at the Green Lantern and Red Lantern, mm-hmm. they actually call those part one and two. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, but Green Lantern really had nothing to do with it, did that's, it? That's their numbering system. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. There you go. Well, they're <laughs> so still a little ahead looking. of the games for, compared to Marvel. Just wait till they get DC now. <laughs> All new DC now. 
2. It could be. It could be. DC has been worse about its relaunches, but not so much its number launches. Like, Marvel's been playing the number game for a long time. They've it, just been playing it, it in weird it gets ways. Old. Yeah. With dice. And I haven't been back, <laughs> so, in, you know, as long as now. most of you, but it gets old. Mm. Even for me. Well, I, I, I hate to say it, but as long as the marketing works, it's going to keep happening. I think dice is for a different game. Huh? Which one? Dice in a different game. Let's roll a d20 and find out which one you're talking about. You're all right. Roll for initiative. Before we even get started, I think you really should mention to the listener we have out there <laughs> to watch that damn trailer. Oh, oh Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? Yeah. You want to do a little bit of news in, 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 the, in the universe? For comic book world? Universe? Let me try it again. News and comics. We have news. We have comic news. News about comics. Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Check it out. There's a second behind-the-scenes clip that's up on the uh, Marvel website where you get to hear Rocket's voice for the first time. It's just a quick blip, but... I don't know if I buy the voice yet, but it looks freaking awesome. And the trailer's great. And Dale Doback's in it, so you can't go wrong. Oh, my God. You don't, you don't get to hear Groot, but you get to hear Rocket. That's true. I mean, that's only because Groot has one line in the whole movie, probably. But... It's all about inflection, sir. Whoa, what'd you say? Inflection, oh, okay. sir. <laughs> Inflection, sir. Thank you. All right. It looks good. It well, does. it looks fantastic. The casting for FF? Um, yeah. Let's not go on to that. The casting for FF, and then what about the camp casting for the Black Panther, independent film? It's, stop it. I'm just telling you. Stop it. All right, well, we'll skip over the whole fantastic abortion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic I for abortion? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> sure. I like the way you said it better. Hey, I'm just saying that they've been real, they've been kind of secretive about the actual casting choices. Like they they give you the names, but the first two times they put the cast list out, they didn't say who was playing who. I mean, it's pretty obvious from the look of them. The dude playing the, the Mr. Fantastic, sued. and Sue should be the girl. I mean, after all, there's only one girl. And then you got. But then Johnny you never Storm know. They mix things up so much. It might yeah, have been the thing. Man. I mean, you don't know. They might have turned him into a chick. We're we're gonna step away from there that. There is a she thing. That's true. He's got a good point. He's got a good point. <sighs> anyway, so yeah, Fantastic Four's been cast. Uh, good luck. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's pretty much all there is to that. Uh, we hear that Marvel's got a Shang-Chi book coming out. Hell uh, yeah. Should be, should be pretty interesting. The Living Weapon. That's what, that's what I was just hearing. I didn't, I didn't even hear about that. Shang-Chi Living Weapon? No, no. No. The Living Weapon, Iron Fist. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Iron Fist is coming out, too. Yeah. yeah, two separate books, though. Yeah, but Iron. still. Yeah, no, it's oh, both yeah. cool. That's, some, uh... That's two Kung Fu books, basically. Yeah, yeah. bless you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. God. We should be really set, because we should have the new Daredevil, Moon Knight, Iron Fist, and Shang-Chi. I mean, that's, like, as much martial arts as you can get in Marvel. Yeah, but I don't know how uh, Moon Knight's going to be, though. It's hard to say. You know, because he's... Like all the previews White are weird. White suit Moon Knight. Yeah. So I, I don't we'll learn more when the book comes out. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> but I'm bumping. This is true, sir. Uh, uh, the, the promo art stuff has him in a costume. It has more black in it than ever. But all the all the stuff that they've actually put out as panels, he's in that suit. And so remember the original Ghost Rider before when he rode on a horse. Did you ever see any of that? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what he looks like if you just put a cowboy hat on. So what was what do you? Okay. Is there? I thought I only know of the one version of Ghost Rider Moon Knight. Oh, Moon Knight. Oh, there is only one Moon Knight so far. Mark Spector. 
Mm-hmm. But he's just suit and tie and... Yeah, the flashes they have for him in the newest preview, he's basically wearing a suit and tie and what looks like a, I don't know... It's a regular mask. Like a regular mask, almost, yeah. Like a Spider-Man mask, oh, okay. but all white. I guess I didn't really pay that much yeah. attention. Yeah, the only thing that's really interesting in that is the hobos that are, like, cooking the cat in the subway train. It is, yeah, Warren Ellis is writing it, correct? Yeah, that's kind of Cooking odd. animals. The same with, uh, it's going to be weird. Throw that in there like that. Man, it's Warren Ellis. That's Marvel, yeah. too. I mean, if Warren Ellis' worst crime is that he's got somebody cooking a cat, I'll be okay. Right. But... <laughs> what, what else did he write? Did he write... No, that was uh, that the Scott that was with Marshall. the long coat and the bald head. Ah, which one? <laughs> <laughs> the creator of Happy. Oh yes. But now Warren else has done. He's done a lot of good stuff. He's he's oh, got yeah. some strange ideas uh, sometimes. Yeah. So, I I think the suit is only a part of whatever that story is. I think we're going to see him in a real a real kind of superhero size suit. Isn't he writing Punisher too? Warren Ellis. Yeah. No? no. No. Who's that? Nathan Edmondson? Oh, you're yeah. right. You're right. He yeah. has before, but not the current run. Okay. And Mitch Gerard is going to be drawing it. So he's going to be good. Should be pretty interesting. Shang-Chi book, though. That'll be Yeah, it looks like yeah. good times, yeah. It's a mini, but maybe. Right. Yeah. There's hope for him yet. I did read that Avengers World issue. Yeah. And that they do kind of stick to hit the inner dialogue. pretty awesome, isn't it? He's always done. He's always done. Yeah. It's a pretty good issue. Yeah, it was good. Anything else you want to talk about, Steve? Well, yeah, as far as DC, we got some DC stuff, too, because Jeff Johns is going to be writing the Superman book now. He's going to take over the Superman run, along with, uh, God, what's his name? J.R.J.R. Uh, John, John Romita Jr. Yeah, John Romita Jr. So that should be interesting to see, nothing they, else. They could license some Lego properties off of that one. And I guess that, <laughs> man, it's Do you not... suppose <laughs> if they bring Sharon Carter in, into into it, or, or not Sharon Carter? Captain America? Captain America? No, who's the... Or, Will Lois look like Hit Girl? <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. No, he's he's got a little more more control than that. But as as long as hell? as long as they don't, as long as he keeps away from like the younger characters, I think he'll be all right. His his hope was bad, but I I kind of attribute that to him just not drawing that character very often. But I guess this is going to be his first foyer to DC. Yeah. Um, my fear is he's got a little Kirby in him. In his designs, and when you say that, do you mean like Kirby from the video game? I mean like Jack Kirby. I mean like Jack Kirby. Well, the ki- the I think that's probably Kirby. wrong. I don't mean that he opens his mouth and sucks in everything and then becomes it himself. Although, it might, pretty awesome. it might happen. Jack's turning around in his grave right now. <laughs> uh, sorry, Jack. That poor bastard. Yeah, <laughs> and Jack Kirby stuff is really good. It's just it has a particular look and. It's it's kind of rough sometimes, and it seems to be a look that they're leaning away from in modern DC. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, at this point, we got um, what is it? Uh, Superman Unchained is going to wind up ending at number nine, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll wrap up, and then this new team will take over the regular Superman book. So as we'll see what Johns does with Superman. Well, he's got his work cut out for him because that action as far as I'm concerned is pretty damn good well I think Superman's turned the corner and has been really good so we'll see if this keeps it up or if it drops it down or what that mm-hmm. action's got more of a sci-fi feel to it don't it? a little yeah. bit yeah, yeah. I might have to pick that up and, and the have... art the art is really it, I like the art right right Aaron Cooter <laughs> yeah it's good he's like his name uh, that's how he says it's pronounced too it's funny because he and, said uh, uh, one of his fans told his wife that he got a cooter sketch. 
<laughs> that's, uh, that's, I had to explain it. That's pretty good. That's pretty and good. there's no nobody running around in the in the action book with an ass cape. <laughs> oh, man. oh hell, Mike! Uh, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. You kicked it up and ran with it. Nice. He'll probably be there soon again. <laughs> Most likely. Um, let's see, other news: we got Jeff Lemire starting up the uh, Justice uh, hand Justice League United. United. So I guess it's going to start out in Canada and move to space. Like, I don't know. That part's a little weird to me. I think name-wise, they change it is a good thing, but. It, in the in the previews, it the title is Justice League United, right. but then in the sub whatever it's called subtext, mm-hmm. it says Justice League Canada. Yeah, so. oh, I think they say formally Justice League Canada. Okay, I think they were playing at it because that was the big rumor forever. Was that like it was going to change to Justice League Canada? I think that was initially the it idea, was, and then people were yeah. like, "This is stupid." Oh. <sighs> you know Why? who said that? No Canadians. No, not because of Canadian people being stupid. Mind you, but that has nothing to do with that. But the idea that I don't know, man. You could sell this if you threw an A on the end of everything. Yeah, <laughs> you got a good point there. A. Eh? <laughs> Wrong. I, I like the lineup a lot. So. Well, if they're gonna make it just the Canada, why don't they just make it just the International? Oh wait, well, because they already canceled that book and it was awesome. Yeah, because they don't have Booster Gold. I never checked that one out. It was, it was good. good. Anyway, uh, other news, we expect to see Wally West in the Flash Annual 3, so that should be pretty cool. Anyway, um, I think that's enough of that nonsense. Um, there is one more thing. Okay, go on. Just so you know. Yeah. A copy of Action Comics number 15, the cover, the original mm-hmm. art, sold for $286,800. Wow. That's ridiculous. Number 15? Action Comics number 15, the original art for that cover. Wow. That was during hell. I don't that think was Simon, wasn't it? No Simon? I don't think that... Uh, yeah, are you talking I about New We're talking about the original. No, the original. No, the original. So that'd be like in 1940-something. No, we're not Man, talking about ass cape uh, cover. The no. fact that's going hey. around is crazy. <laughs> 38, that might be 42. Man, it wow. could easily be 30. Yeah. No, man. Because they were... That's fairly impressive. Every two months back then. And then this that's not, Yeah, 1939. Wow. That's... That's cool. Wow. That's a lot no of money, idea. though. I mean, still, it's... Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's talk cover? about stuff we can afford. Okay. Oh, that would be like the cover to Bubble Gun number two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I don't, I don't mind that. It's oh, a good piece right. of work. <laughs> what about uh, the first Walking Dead, like the worst cover copy version available? Uh, someone paid like $752 for that. I saw that the other day. On, Ugh, I can't like, afford it. Why? Because people are stupid, man. They're crazy for the Walking it's, Dead. <laughs> It's a first print, but and it looks like someone drug it through the trash. It's terrible, man. <laughs> it's so me. bad. I thought, huh, that's interesting because there's like 30 versions of number one. Come on. It's like I know a number one that got torn in half. Is that worth that much? I, if you do, oh, wait. No, that was pretty deadly. Never mind. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, whoa, man. bud. What? That's <laughs> I didn't tear it in half. Mud and You don't want to get Alice Cott all fired up again. <laughs> well, I'll try not to piss people off in the world. Isn't he writing something now? Maybe. Alish? <laughs> or whatever the hell? I don't know. How do you say it? Mr. Cot? Yeah, I ain't no mister about it. Uh, no. Mystery Cot? Secret uh, I Avengers? He's finding Maybe, yeah, I believe I he's writing Secret Avengers. That's right. Hey, and, uh, how come you didn't know earlier? I don't remember. There's like something magic. Else. This thing just rolls off the tongue and then it triggers Zero. Yeah. He's writing I'm a zero, zero yeah, yeah. I don't know. I meant something pertinent. Yeah. 
I, no. I hear good the, things the about zero. No. no, I like Alice. He's Alice. Alex. Sure. A L E S. How would you say it? A L E S. Alice. A. A list. Could be. Could be A list. I go with Joe. Joe. Joe Cot. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Cot. <laughs> I think it's a different guy. What are we reading now? Uh, Justice League number 28. All right. That's correct. Let's get the ball rolling. What's on the cover, Rob? Go. The Metal Men making awesome. their, their first official debut in the DC Universe. Le- so. Led looks like Armadillo. He does. He does. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, he looks awesome, though. And most of them don't look a whole lot different. I mean, honestly, they, there's a there's a bit difference to, to a few of them. I think the one that I think stands out the most to me is Mercury, though. Yeah, Mercury's face is a lot more rigid. Like, he's a lot more hardcore than... Yeah, than he used well, to Well, when was the last time that they like played the a big role in something? I know I've read it, they've but I can't tried, recall what it was. They've and, tried a lot to bring the, the Metal Men into the They seem really close to what I remember reading as mm-hmm. far as how they're... how they are. I, mean, I, I don't think they've ever been bad characters. I just don't think people came to them. A lot of miniseries... I, it's the same problem. The other, that, I mean, team-wise, they're a cool bunch of characters, but I think uh, the older style writing is more fantastic. But where do they fit? So I don't know. It's, so it's just like the Doom Patrol. Like where the, where do they fit? Yeah. Um, but they did. They did actually play a pretty large role in the Fifty Two. That may have been where. Um, oh yeah. And they got to play another big part in the closing stuff for Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Um, in that storyline, they they were playing with their destiny to become like the behemoth in um, Kingdom Come, so which was pretty cool. Which was they that, scrapped that. Yeah, <clears throat> well, three Supergirl. I really hate them trying to move towards Kingdom Come. Anyways, yeah. Um, in 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 Kingdom Come, they've all formed together and they're a giant multicolor. Well, yeah, thing. no, I, I remember that. I just didn't remember there was part of that in Supergirl. Yeah, they, they showed up in that for a little bit. Um, they wound up having some kind of mind control thing on them where uh, they thought they had all become human. And, like, in their minds, as humans, they were basically like having a Hogwarts adventure with <laughs> magic and, like, <laughs> wands and stuff. You make it sound fantastic. It was really good. Like, the, the old Supergirl was really good. Not not that the new Supergirl isn't. It's just very different. You're talking about the Michael Turner run? No. That started with Michael Turner? You're talking no. about the previous volume? Dude, that, no, just that, the that previous was Batman one. Superman. That wasn't Supergirl. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think it was. No. She showed up in Batman Superman. She showed Superman. up in Batman yeah. Superman. Same, same character, true. though, I think. It's, you mean yeah, Superman Batman. Batman? Whatever the hell it was. Well, that's what I meant, is which version of it was. Or was it the... The duo team. No. What? Didn't Don't... they eat limestone, or was that a rock troll? That's a... <laughs> <laughs> rock troll, sir. I'm sure Superman can eat whatever he wants. Limestone. Have Save you seen that tonight. movie? Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> no shame. Uh, All right, anyway, so Justice League 28. <laughs> Good Lord. It's going to be a long <laughs> podcast. <laughs> it, it might be. Um, we were coming off the last issue where Cyborg's body was remade, and um, we kind of get the nod back to Justice League, gosh, it's like 12 or 13, where Platina first shows up on the Watchtower as one of the recruits to join the Justice oh, League. Oh, Platinum kind of attacks them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember what issue that is. But 
Yeah, it's it's in the it's in the first probably twenty issues. Yeah, they they mentioned was that platinum? Yeah. yeah, it was platinum. Wow. Mm-hmm. I thought it was that. I thought for some reason in my head I thought it was like Element Woman that did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she was I, up there too. Though, but I remember because that was JLA, right? No, I think it was just regular Justice League. Okay. Yeah. That was like the Despero around that time. Yeah, Despero it was just up. it was just before Despero showed up. So like they were trying to augment the Justice League, mm-hmm. and Nightwing came up there and. Um, Latino came up there, and Element Woman, Firestorm, Black Lightning, Blue Devil. Atomica was there, right? Yeah. They should have Black Lightning and Blue Devil, too, Justice League Dark. Oh, man, that would be so good. Like, that miniseries was great. Yeah. So, anyhow, getting back to, to topic. Um, <laughs> they evidently weren't connected to the, to the grid, and so um, Cyborg decides he needs to have a team fast so he's going to look into whatever happened to platinum platinum or platinum and that would platinum. be the first thing that would come to your mind too for for a new team yeah he's the middleman i sure. i wouldn't have thought it but it's good that he did jeff johns did that son of a <laughs> well the main thing is that cyber's looking for something that hasn't been affected by grid and realizing that they weren't connected because whenever he tries to scan her back in those stories where i was talking about he realized she's not connecting anything. He can't learn anything about her. And with that in mind, they'd have to not be affected by everything being shut off. So, I mean, it makes sense why he goes goes for that idea. Maybe, maybe not the first choice in the world, but if everybody else is dead or not strong enough, eh, she's pretty powerful, man. She gave the Justice League a run. Yeah, they, yeah she did. They keep kind of playing with us, too, because like we see in Tomorrow's Labs there, uh, Red Tornado, but he's not active. Um, there was one more thing before we get started into the meat of this book that I really liked from the previous issue, which is that um, Cyborg is not hooked to the grid right now. And so he makes this big mention of how, when he gets the suit built up, that it's so quiet. Like, he doesn't connect it anymore. He doesn't hear all the information of the whole world come into him. And that was actually kind of a cool thing about him and Superman that were connected back in uh, the earlier JLA stories. Is that Superman always liked going to the Watchtower because it was so quiet. Because he couldn't hear everything, like he did on Earth. So, anyhow, getting back to the story. Um, I don't know if we saw William Magnus before. If we did, it didn't stick out in my mind. I don't recall seeing him, uh, aside from just the previous issue. But um, Cyborg shows up at his lab, and we see he's got little models made of all the the metalmen, and he's basically like. This this isn't gonna work. There's no way that I can make these, the, the metalmen work for you. And Cyborg's basically like, well, why? Why can't we make this happen? You know. And um, we kind of see that Dr. Magnus has been working on their project ever since. But he's still pretty determined <sighs> that there's no way that they'd be able to do what he wanted them to do. And so he starts telling them about the creation of the metalmen and like how that fell apart. And surprisingly enough, they only go back six months, which is, I don't know, I, I thought it would be longer than that, but, you know, comic time, who knows. So. Well, something I like about that when he's telling him about that, that he's like, the, tells him how they became sentient and how they were their own AI, or they were separate, and the separate robots only want two things, either to kill everyone, or, uh, what was the second one? I don't remember what the second one is. Clean? No, that's not. They don't want to clean things. No. I think it's either either kill every kill, kill all humans or 
Save all humans. Save all humans, maybe. I'm guessing. Oh. Okay. As a robot gains sentience, it's like the Terminator. It wants to hunt us. Or like the Matrix, it wants to use us. Or like HAL 9000, it wants to kill us. It's pretty much all bad things. Is that what you meant? That's what I meant. Okay. I can't remember the order for I, it. But the reason I, that I they, the this, reason Steve. that they became sentient is that what's that device he threw in the? No. Come on. No. I'm not gonna say it. Come on. No. You'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> I don't, man, I can't even remember it now. How do you pronounce it? I don't know. Oh, is that what you were looking for? Is the pronunciation? Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, we start the story with the. <laughs> the, the Go on. Uh. So we start this flashback story with uh, two of the military people that are uh, evidently funding his research. And um, evidently Dr. Magnus is no longer answering calls or texts or any information from anybody. And the general in charge is pretty ticked off that he spent all this money for no... You know, no FaceTime, no connection to what, what he's actually doing. They don't even know what he's spending all their time and money on. And so he's come down to the uh, to the lab to kind of demand that he has access to it. What's well, he was paying for? Mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Magnus is kind of uh, oh gosh, what do you call it? He's she's just locking him out. And he basically tells him like, if you don't let us in, we're just going to break down the door. And um, he tells him the only way to get through the door because it's built to my specifications is if you use dynamite. Yeah, so you blow the door apart. And then he kind of goes back to his research, and he's taking all these notes about what what he wants the metal men to be, and like how basically he's like got a real disdain for humans, and like how his family treated him, and you know he he just doesn't really want to be around regular people. He kind of wants to be around people that just take orders and do what they do and then shut down. So his humanity is kind of in question a little bit. I yeah, think. I'd say so. The only problem with the world is people. That's his whole stance. You might be right. Give me a second now, because I don't remember what that thing's called either. Responsometer. Stupid. The responsometer. You have to say it. Res okay. Responsometer. There's a way that you have to say it, so it's awesome. <laughs> no. Okay. There's nothing awesome. There about is. It. Listen to this. All right. So he goes in to uh, activate the metal men using the responsometer, <laughs> which gives them their incredible human-like responses. That's right, the responsometer. <laughs> uh, Sounds better that way. Maybe well, better than you know it's just, just regular reading, I guess. Like Doctor Magnus used to be really fantastic, but Doctor Magnus also used to be. The quintessential lab guy. Like, you knew he was a scientist because he always had the lab coat and a pipe in his mouth. That's right. Yeah, he did. And now he's a little bit more of a rebel, I guess. And didn't he used to be on meds or something? Probably. I, I think so. Back in that 52 thing, he was on, like, to it's, keep himself a little uh, leveled out. I, I don't see why not. Like, he seemed really, like... He was like most of the scientists of that time, so, like, he seemed really detached from anything. So, and I guess you'd kind of have to be, because the metalmen kind of screwed up a lot of things. <laughs> so, like, they would tear up the whole house, and he'd eventually come in and see, you know, his living room completely destroyed, and they're like, we're sorry, Doc, and he'd just be, like, puffing on his pipe, yeah, no worries, son. 
<laughs> it really was very like black and white TV episodes, like like he had Van Dyke show. Nothing, nothing, nothing that you possibly do, Jimmy, is wrong. Yeah, he was he was pretty unfazed. I remember they had a, a whole mini series where he was trying to get the neighbors to like the metalmen. And so, like, he was trying to have them go do things for the neighbors, like cut their grass or whatever, and they'd be out there with, like, a flamethrower, burning the grass away. The neighbors are terrified. Awesome. There was a lot of good things in the past for him, including, like, uh, gosh, what was it? Mercury was all about a robot hunter TV show that was all about finding and capturing and killing robots, but he loved the show. Was it called Magnus? No. That would have been awesome. It would have been great. <laughs> But Magnus Robot Fighter. But like there was a whole there was a whole like subplot about that where that guy kinda like was being hounded by them and he even like gets bonked on the head and he starts thinking he is that guy. Yeah, it's alright. Either way, he they use the responsometer as a device to uh to kind of give each of these robots kind of a soul. And I guess rather than completely building out the frame he has it bind bound with molten liquid molten uh, metals each of a different property now one of the big things about this is that these guys were made in the specification of search and rescue they were supposed to go into environments that were too dangerous for regular people to rescue people and bring them out but um, he chooses gold mercury lead copper platinum and iron. Copper. Tin. Oh, tin. not not copper, tin. Tin. They did do... Okay, that's my old... Sorry. There was a copper... Yeah, there was. ...in the old Metalman, but I think she came later. So... Either way, she's not in here. Anyways... You stop it over there. Go on. She did. No, you're right. Yeah, there, there was. There was another one. Old universe. Mm. Keep going. But uh, as they all come to come to life... Like, he's, he's made such a big point about how robots are so much better. Robots are so much simpler. Robots just, they do what they're supposed to do, and then that's it. They're, you can completely rely on them. And as they come online, they begin just having full conversations and talking about, instead of, like, their status, like, as soon as Gold looks up, uh, gets online, he's like, and looking good, damn good. And I think Tin is the next one. Uh, looking slightly better than average, but but my vocal processor seems to be impaired. So like they have he stutters immediate personalities, and it's leaving Magnus like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Because I don't think he ever planned for them to be this fully sentient, especially not to be, you know, as soon as they wake up already kind of having personalities and, like, difference in opinions, and so he's completely kind of lost right from the beginning as to what he's created, because he's created something far more than he ever thought he was going to make. And uh, as they first kind of come out of the vats, they're all a little watery, and then almost instantaneously from there, they, they completely take on a fully developed look and kind of personality to who they are. Dr. Magnus is kind of left with this, like, he doesn't know what to do with it. And he wants to try to tell them, you know, oh, get in line, do this and do that. And they're just, 
they're totally just talking to each other and have their own personalities and having their own conversations and don't have anything to do with what he's what he's doing. It's actually kind of funny because like Gold decides he's going to be the leader and so he kind of leans over and is like, if you really want him to do something, tell me first and then uh, I'll tell the rest of them. And Mercury is kind of whipping around. Uh, he seems to be the first one to realize that he can shape change pretty easily. But he's the only one that's really got a liquid form. Everyone else can shape change, but they're not. They don't move like him. Yeah, he's both he's both liquid and solid, kind of at the same time. Yeah, and, and yeah. he's he's liquid in room temperature even. So, and he's the one that uh, he's the only one of them that seems to have, he seems to have an aggressive streak. In him. Yeah, he does. Yeah, the way he's written in here, he's way more like over the top. Than I remember I remember him always kind of being like a smartass. Yeah, but he's like more seems way more aggressive just in general. Yeah, because I I think he makes a pretty quick like. Yeah, we should just kill all the humans. Yeah, Matt, robot <laughs> revolution time, yeah. Yeah. And he tells them to line up, and they're like, line up how? You know, does it go by size, elemental color, uh, ele- oh, I'm sorry, periodical number. And then, uh, you know, uh, Mercury is like, what, are you giving me command like I'm a dog? Is that what you think I am? Like, so... And they kind of have even, like, a little power struggle with platinum and gold, like, who's going to be in charge? But they're they're just completely fully realized people, and he's just so not ready for that because it's not what he wanted. It's not what he designed. And so, um, while he's dealing with this kind of realization that these are completely unique and completely individual people, the uh, the military outside has decided to barge its way in and actually like blows the door open. And the first thing that Lead does is create this kind of shield to block him after he had mentioned that it was hard for him to change. And it was just kind of a reaction. It was hard for him to think. Yeah, well, that's and, he, and he got, he was attracted to a soda machine. That's true. <laughs> Which is pretty freaking hilarious. Uh, like, who's this lady over here? And he's like, that's, a soda, that's a soda machine. Like, oh! This is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and, like, of course, that's another thing that Magnus is like, you're not supposed to be able to do that. You're not supposed to fall in love. Like, he was trying to design tools... And they've become people. And he hates people. That's true. So when so the... So do I. They, they yeah, so we all do, though. Well, evidently, if you make robots, they might disappoint you at first. Yeah. Not the kind he makes. You're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> Screw this personality thing. Fully articulate. But, um... 127 points of articulation. <laughs> Nice. And I've tested every one of them. <laughs> Vibrating mouth. Stop it. Sorry. Anyway, keep on moving. So uh, when the when the general guy comes in to try to see what uh, what he's built, you know, Doctor uh, Magnus is basically like, well, they're completely broken. There's all sorts of problems with them, and he kind of pushes past him and he looks in the room. And they're all kind of in their status. status kind of look where they all just are very plain Jane and he's like oh no these look exactly the way that I thought they were going to they look like they're fully functional and so he starts talking about wanting to put them out in the field immediately to do an assassination and Magnus is like this isn't what we designed them for you know they're supposed to be search and rescue go to places where no other person could go and survive and they're like well there's been a lot of conflict over in uh, Kandak Kandak yeah. or whatever and, and regular troops can't survive there, so, like, it was kind of a play on words for him, uh, and he makes it a pretty big mention that 
Magnus had like made all kinds of concept, um, all kinds of uh, concessions. Concessions. There we go. Um, to make this happen, and so he's lost control of what they're going to be used for. And that pisses him off. Well, a bit, but it pisses the metal men off more. Because when they realize that they just wanted to use them as guns, as weapons, they kind of fully take form and escape. And that kind of leaves uh, Magnus holding the bag, but we kind of go back to Cyborg now as they're kind of talking to him, and we find out that after he was kind of booted by the military for this whole situation, somebody had managed to get his first responsometer. Responsometer! <laughs> the, uh, the prototype one that was completely wonky. And they evidently decide to have it merge with toxic waste. Have what merge with? The responsometer. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just want to make sure you understand. I could do it even bigger if you want. No. The responsometer. <laughs> it's like a Vincent Price green gun. <laughs> Lightning shining around him. Bring me this responsometer. You pull your pipe out of your mouth. Those <laughs> mm. calculations seem off. Turn up your game, Captain. Mm. <laughs> um, so he's talking about you know going back to his apartment and trying to work on a way to fix the metal men to make them more status or static. Static. Less personality-wise, yes. Mm. Less responsometer. <laughs> yes. And um, he talks about how after like his eighth failed attempt to try to figure out how to fix this. He noticed that the trash can is moving to catch his uh, thrown waste. And he realizes that the, the trash can has been replaced by the robot tin. And um, from there, he kind of starts realizing that like his whole house is full of them. So like, they escaped, but they didn't know where to go. So they just wound up going back to... His apartment? Yeah, to, to uh, Dr. Magnus. There you go. Um... And it's kind of it's odd because like he he totally takes a 180 of his his first opinion, which is like that they were all broken and that they weren't functioning properly because they shouldn't be real people, to being like, well, geez, you know, I I was horrible for thinking that you guys should be just tools. And well, once you realize he's no different than what the government, them, he is just like them to the government. Well, and once he realized that, then yeah, I mean, like you said, like Curtis said, he's he's a tool. No different than what they wanted them to be. So I think it's a different place for him just in general. He might still think they're broken, but as far as, like, uh, where they fit in the world, they're all exactly the same. Anyway, moving forward. But um, the creature that had the responsometer okay, put into the uh, toxic waste... As basically, and I don't think they ever call it this, but if you're a fan of the old universe, you know that this is chemo. Um, it throws up as its own kind of monster. And for whatever reason, it's decided to come for, for Dr. Magnus and attacks his apartment. And the uh, metalmen actually kind of, once again, save him. And they move him down to the street from his apartment level. And they immediately start 
doing exactly what they were programmed to do, which is save people from situations that people, you know, like regular humans couldn't do. And this toxic waste is pretty much like an acid. So their first priority was to save everybody that was in the building, and they just do it without any thought to themselves or getting damaged or anything. Um, knowing that, you know, people were not exactly their biggest fans to begin with. Um, from that point, they've gotten rid of, they've gotten all the uh, civilians out of the area, and they started thinking of how they're going to take out chemo. And um, Dr. Magnus is basically like, you can't do this. Like, the, the chemicals that are inside of him are too much. They're going to just destroy your guys' bodies. And they're basically like, you don't understand. Like, this is what we were made to do. This is the situation we were designed for. And if it, if we don't survive it, at least we are doing what we were made to do in the first place. And so they wind up actually attacking Kimo and kind of merging into him to try to find his... No. Response amateur to shut him down. Ridiculous. <laughs> In the end, they kind of wind up having a a pretty violent reaction with Kimo, which causes him to believe explode. And in theory, they were destroyed. That's what he told everybody, anyways. Right. How Cyborg actually knows differently. And um, after hearing the whole story. He kind of understands that Will Magus, Dr. Magus here, doesn't, he doesn't want the middlemen to go out again because he doesn't want them to be hurt. And he thinks the only way that he can save them now is to just let them kind of live on in their uh, responsometer ball form and, and not take on a, a robot form again. But Cyborg thinks that, they, that they're the answer. And he realizes that they're alive and wants them to have another chance at it. But uh, he's pretty determined not to let them do that. Well, yeah, it's like they're—it's like they're all in their pokeballs, and he doesn't want them to go fight battles. It mm. Makes sense. In in the end, he kind of basically gets him to finally see what he's trying to say. Like he he thinks that the metal men wouldn't want this. That right. if they had the potential to save the world, that they would want to do it. And that's kind of the argument that he, he finally gives to Magus and that kind of weakens his resolve. And in the end, he says the same thing the metal men say when they're first saving everybody out of the apartment, which is rule number one, let's save everybody. So, probably wasn't a great description of that book, but it's actually a fantastic story. I was really, really impressed with it. It really is a fun read. Like, I, I don't know, as far as the characters, I've always liked the Metal Men, just in, in general, but they don't get a whole lot of play in the world. Simply because when you've got Superman flying around, like, do you really need six other people to make up Superman? I mean, I don't know. I, I think that's why they don't fit anywhere, really, but I, I think the next issue is going to be freaking awesome, probably. I mean, it should be. Hmm. Well, the cover art for it looks great. Have you guys seen that yet? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Um, actually, the cover art for 29 has Cyborg in the middle, and then each of the metal men has actually taken on the appearance of one of the other Justice League members. Somebody tell me about that. So, like, Mercury is in the background as Flash, and, like, I think Gold is Superman. <laughs> and awesome. So, it ought to be really, really fun. I don't know if that's going to be something that the book actually has, or if it's just the cover hype, but 
I think the biggest thing was they were they were comic, uh, they were comedy, and and yeah. that's kind of what they fell into, and so it was really kind of hard to take them seriously as a as a regular book. But the other end is, you know, a lot of people they they want to start off at the beginning of something, but they don't want to take any risks, and so the metal man always was tough. Yeah, that's uh, true. To sell to people. Anyway, book uh, in general, fantastic. Uh, Mr. Mike, want to give a score? I'll give it a give it a three. It's pretty good, enjoyable, mm-hmm. fun read. Right, Curtis. Three as well. Right on. Rob, uh, I'm probably give it three and a half. I I really enjoyed it. I thought that was a really good take. Um, I like the metal man, and I think this is a great take to bring them forward. They they feel really legit. The only thing that was weird for me is is timelining out where she went to the watchtower, but other than that, like they mentioned it happening, so. It must fit in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it, when you bring that up to me, I thought it was a little weird too. But you're right; they do make a mention of it in the book. Anyway, um, I would give it three and a half. Also, I mean, casting wise, they did a pretty good job, like lining out who they are and how they work. And I think uh, the next issue, the idea of them all portraying one version of the Justice League, that's pretty cool. So I guess I will see where they unfold that. But that's that's pretty freaking awesome, actually. <laughs> And so far, we haven't seen him do some of the ridiculous middlemen things, like all forming together to make a car. <laughs> okay, why'd you have to bring that up? So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You know, right now, like, they seem really, really tight, and, like, they seem really legit. So if they continue like this, the middlemen ought to be a really, really interesting group. So. Here, here, sir. Okay, so uh, move on to uh, the New Warriors. New Warriors. No, right. New Warriors number one. What do you know about the New Warriors there, Curtis? <clears throat> I know Marcus Toe's drawing it. Or Two or Toe, or however you say his name. I right. apologize, Marcus. He's a good artist. I, I like his art a lot. I enjoy it. Heck yeah. Christopher Yost is writing it, I believe. Chris Yost, yeah. yeah. Yes, he is. New Warriors is an old concept, re- reimagined, I guess, what's going on? Uh, pretty much. Um, they shut down the New Warriors shortly before um, the superhero Civil War really got going. It was actually one of the big causes of it, was Speedball and a couple other characters. Um, since then, like the New Warriors has kind of been synonymous with the Stanford Massacre. Um so this is the first time they've tried it again, and it's it's been a long time, and actually it's kind of cool to have these characters that are like, hey, we were a part of this, and it didn't always used to mean we're failures. So let's change that. Let's make it be a good thing again. So I kind of like that idea for making it. But um, we start in, I think it's the Forever City? With... With some of the with one of the cow people that the high evolutionary has made, and he's basically bleeding out on the floor, and he's talking like he can't understand what what he's done wrong. Why are you killing us? And uh, whoever this character off panel is is so humanity can survive. And the cow guy's like, well, what did we do wrong? So we know that he knows whoever this is. Right. And you know the final panel of it. If you're if you're a big Marvel knight. He probably copped it was the High Evolutionary, who is the one who created him to begin with. 
And his answer to, you know, the bull guy is like, you've, you've done nothing wrong, but you were never meant to be. And judgment comes even for the innocent. So he's going through and cleaning the house. And those guys have been around for a long, long time, so it's kind of hard to say what the evolutionary's game is. Pretty messed up, actually. I mean, it's pretty kind of brutal. Like, it's not like the most graphic thing ever, but it's really kind of, I don't know. It's, it, for being a character that uh, probably a lot of people don't know, I guess it doesn't really matter to them. But the whole idea that, I don't know, that, that just him dragging himself through the hallway, the slick of blood behind him, man, it's pretty, it's pretty out of control. Wasn't he just in the Fantastic Four? Yeah. Not too long ago, probably. Yeah. yeah, they've really not been, like, aggressive characters. They've always just kind of been out there in the mountains, and, you know, they help people sometimes. They fight people sometimes, but for the most part, like, the cow guy just helped people. So, um, from there, we actually cut over to Speedball and Justice, which are two old-school um, New, New Warrior members. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're already in a battle with these kind of very strange characters. Like, we got, like, a snake lady and some guy who looks like a mazo, but he's got devil horns and some lady that can shoot, like, water and some some other girl who looks a lot like Rambola that can control lightning. Monica Rambo? Uh, She looks a lot like her. She's not her, but... No, she does look a lot like her, though. Yeah. Spectrum? No. Current. current. She, yeah. does, she does kind of look like Spectrum, and Spectrum's the current yeah. version of Monica. It's her, her, like her past gear. It doesn't matter, because she's not going to be... the way she was dressed when she was in Next Wave. Yeah, there we go. She Next the, Wave. The cool, like, Captain jacket. Yes. Yeah. Changed by the little green aliens. Um, <laughs> but they're kind of battling these guys in the street, and somewhere they mentioned that it's in New Salem, Colorado. And uh, for a moment, it looks like Justice is kind of uh, being being defeated. Yeah, he's getting his ass whooped by her. A little bit, yeah. And uh, he kind of just powers up his field, his, his TK field, and like just throws everybody in the street. But Justice is actually really powerful. Um, but this is kind of like just bringing us back to these characters and their relationship with each other. And it's kind of funny, like, the whole time that Speedball is bouncing around, he's trying out all these catchphrases for what the new warrior's next catchword could be. Very it, Spider-Man, Peter Parker-esque. Yeah, in typical Speedball fashion, they're all pretty pretty horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, in the end, they, they kind of managed to... Uh, they managed to start fighting back against these guys in the street and kind of get the situation a little bit in hand. And, um, you know, Justice thinks that they've been attacked and this is all, like, they're defending the streets and the people that they're fighting finally are like, why are you attacking us? And we find out that Speedball kind of, like, jumped to the wrong conclusion and he totally just attacked this guy in the street. Yeah. And they were Pretty just defending New reason. Salem. Yeah. He saw him in the coffee shop and he looks like a big monster guy, like a big devil bull guy. Yeah. And so he's like, yep, must have been a problem. So it's Speedball that started it in the first place. So, from there... He needs penance for that. No. <laughs> you, you shut up over there, sir. <laughs> Who knows? We put him in the series for a reason. So, we might see a return of penance. Who knows? But, um, from there, we jump to... 
Kane. Ma- Mazalia, Mexico. Oh, yeah. Where we catch up with Kane after the shutdown of uh, the Scarlet Spider. And Kane and Hummingbird are now in Mexico, which is where Kane was always wanting to go to begin with. And he's kind of ready to be done. And um, as they're kind of walking through the street, she happens to see these people that are being uh, mugged. And Kane's just like, he wants to just keep going. And Hummingbird is uh, not going to have it. And so she starts heading that way. So Kane decides he has to intervene as the Scarlet Spider. Which he pretty well convinces him to. Mm. Because you're supposed to be a hero. We need to go do something about this. It's the same, like, girl sidekick thing going on for her. It's the same way they were in the, the, the Scarlet Spider series. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty cool. Like, she motivates him to go do something. And he, even though he knows he's supposed to, or he should... He, he wasn't going to if she had not, like, been his angel on his shoulder that he wouldn't have. But, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. He's always been the reluctant hero. Right. Yeah. And one of the things that's nice about this, I mean, he kind of uses his own tagline here, which is, like, he's got all the power but none of the responsibility. But um, we still see him being just about as brutal as he was before. I mean, he uses his little claw spike to jam through this guy's hand with a gun. It's like cutting his arm open at the wrist to use the marker cane on his face. What's that one? That's where you're going to... Well, it's an old thing from Kane where he actually burns oh, yeah. through and like, lobster and, like, leaves a handprint on him. I always used to think it was just that he would use his sticky power on the face and just, like, rip <laughs> the skin. But I guess he physically can burn him. Yeah. Um, and then the last one, the Hummingbird uses her fear power on. And so the guy takes off and so they're kind of talking about what they were doing there. And she's like, this is totally awesome. This is what we should be doing. And he's like, no, this is really not what I want. And the people that they just saved were like, oh, my gosh, thank you for saving us. And he just turns to him and he just yells at them. What the hell is the matter with you? Do you want to get killed? Stay the fuck out of Mexico. <laughs> Which is exactly like what Kane was like in the last thing. You know, like when people did oh, yeah. something stupid and he saved them instead of being like, you better watch it next time. He just totally told them off. Yeah. And he'd be yelling in their face like the old lady that was jaywalking. <laughs> like, yeah. just totally... like the very first issue of the previous, yeah. the, the, the Scarlet Spider series. Yeah, he saves her from getting run over by a van. He basically berates her in front of a whole bus stop full of people while the dude went through the windshield just bleeding everywhere. Awesome. Called her, you know, basically, you're stupid. Right. <laughs> Old and stupid. And then he does the same way with these people. Like, what are you doing in Mexico? You're going to get yourself killed. It's awesome. So good. So he's exactly the same as he was before. Um, now, as far as I know, and I, she may have fell through the cracks somewhere, but I don't know Sun Girl, so I kind of think she's a brand new character for this story. Yeah, I'm not sure about that either. I don't recognize her, but I... I she's yeah. been in... Um... I want to say Superior Spider-Man team up or something. Oh been, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, she was in there. You're right. I didn't remember that. Yeah. It's it's pretty forgettable, really. <laughs> okay. But um, she's kind of trying to make a name for herself in New York, and uh, she seems to be really a glory hound. She's been around since 1948. Really? Yeah. Wow. One of the old Atlas. People. Okay. Oh, she's an agent of Atlas. No, no. Just Atlas Comics. Oh, okay. Oh, she was. She's a, a acquirement there. Yeah, I. She definitely fell through the cracks. And I remember the name. Yeah. Because I've seen the the books before. Okay. So. Do you think this is the same Sun Girl? Uh. 
Her name's Mary Mitchell, yes. No, different name. Okay. So this must be a, a later incarnation. But he's right. She did appear in, in the Scarlet Spider, or I'm sorry, the Superior Spider-Man team-ups. Yeah, I think she got hit by a response meter. It's not true, sir. <laughs> Don't you ever say that when I'm reading. <laughs> I want to be able to hear your stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she's she foils a bank robbery or an armor car robbery. And then kind of takes off for the police, but, like, she's just really full of herself. And, yeah. and it's all about, like, the credit. And so she's taking off. She's listening to the police broadcast, or the police band on the radio. And she hears, like, two two messages about what she just did, and so she's all happy. And then something about Spider-Man doing something, and she, like, gets all upset about it because her limelight is being taken away. So she's on to the next thing, which winds up being an explosion in the subways. At, um, I think it's Grand Central. Yeah, Grand Central Terminal. So she's taken off to answer that call. So she seems like the kind of hero that's really like a glory hound. Yeah. But we'll see how that works. So from there, we go back to revisit New Salem. And everything's kind of blown over. And Robbie and Justice are, I'm sorry, Speedball and Justice are in one of their houses now. Presumably playing video games with like... The big scary dude that, that oh, yeah, Speedball just attacked. Yeah, the same guy Speedball went after in the convenience store. The big devil-looking guy. Yeah, they're sitting there playing games together. And mm-hmm. Robbie's, like, ripping on him the whole time. And he's like, this controller's just so small to use. And granted, he does have giant, like, crazy hands. But at the same time, like, it's, it's really pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it is. Yeah, it just seems like, you know, guys playing a game. And they even kind of talk about how... You know, like, just a minute ago, we were just totally fist-fighting out in the street, and now everything's fine. Now we're completely, like, acting like we're buddies. And that's just who Speedball is. He's just kind of got that personality where he, he just makes things work out. He's a pretty he's a pretty good person-person, people-person. He's a pretty good person-person. That's I'd correct. Like I'd like it. Like an animal. But um, he's, uh, Justice is now kind of talking to the girl that looks a lot like Rambla. And I didn't catch her name even in the story. I don't really remember. But um, we kind of find out from her that this whole area has been kind of built up around magical uh, people and their children kind of coming here and having, like, a safe place to to stay and grow up. Salem 7. Yeah, the Salem 7 is the team. Yeah. yeah. And they're supposed to be protecting the... Um, magic. The new the new Salem. Okay magic area yeah and like given them like dr strange has kind of appointed them and you know because i guess the salem seven used to be a villain group mm-hmm. that's kind of reformed but um this is kind of a safe place for magic creatures and magic touched individuals to live i think i think they were the group for the scarlet witch if i remember correctly possibly um, yeah. i think that was her like arch group wasn't um, one of them like the daughter of satan I think they're all supposed to be children of Satan, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they actually are. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. He gets around. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but there's some of them that I guess are better children of Satan. Right. Like, And that's a made-up town. Yeah, so there you go. They made that up for Marvel. Nice. It's been a while. Good to know, sir. It's been a while. Good to know. I will punch you in your beard. <laughs> I, should have, I should have more made-up places. That's fine. Because you can destroy a made-up place, and it's fine. 
<laughs> you can destroy New York all the time, and it's fine, too. Well, that's true, but it gets a little old. <laughs> There's only so many times they can knock over the Sears building. Imagine Tokyo. Yeah, that's true. You know? They love to rebuild, though. They can, eat, more, they can always bastards. use aspen. That wouldn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, that's a different kind of thing, though. Mm, be a lot more snow involved. Thank you. <laughs> In aspen. That's awesome. <laughs> Anyhow, so from there... Um, now I'm sure they're going to fill us in a little bit more on these characters, but they did show up in, I think it's the Uncanny X-Men, a while back, and they were supposed to be like a sentient group of, of like cavemen almost, that are supposed to be keeping evolution on a certain track. And evidently, in the X-Men story, they made a deal with Cyclops and Xavier as like, Supposed to be the the people who spoke for mutant kind. Yeah, man. Oh, I that that's a ways back. Right yeah, now, man. I didn't uh, read that. No, the the cover of the one of the books had the uh, silver, uh, the silver sentinel. Um, dang, I can't remember the name of the character. It doesn't matter. Skip it because I can't remember what the name of it was. That's I want to say it's number issue ten of Uncanny X Men volume like three. Mm, I think two, two or three. Yeah. Because it was real early on. Because we had it in the store. Mm-hmm. Was it the yeah. reboot? No. The one with Cyclops? Well, It's still Cyclops, but it's before... Before the X-Men. No, I mean... It's before the Schism stuff. Okay. Yeah, just, it was before Schism. Before they split. They, they yeah. were still on Utopia when that happened. When this thing came up. And it was, I have no idea. It's okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting connection, but it's not super important. Hopefully they'll explain them better here. Because even there, they were kind of like, so, huh. but they they basically look like a souped up Iron Man suit. Yeah. Now, if they're staying with the same ones that we saw before, they're really like Crow Magnum Man inside of it. Huh. But they're supposed to be the ones that are like watching mutation to to see you know they're they're trying to make sure human life exists or continues to exist. Was that around the same time as Predator X? Um. I want to say it's near S- that time. Same volume? I think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, either way, when they when they show up here, they kind of materialize out of thin air. And um, the ones that we saw before were all blue, and these guys have like an orange glow to them. But they, uh, they say, half-breed mutants, the blood here is tainted. And so we already kind of know like bad things are going to happen. But uh, from there, we cut back to Mexico, and Kane's out on the beach, and just drinking a margarita, and Hummingbird is just, like, telling him how bored she is of this, and, like, this is what Kane is, he sees, he just wants to be retired, he just wants to be done. And she's like, we should be heroes, we need to be out and do stuff, this is really boring. And um, they kind of get to a point where the sun is setting, and I think she's the one who says... Like, the water really picks up this great reflection, you know, here. And Kane stands up, and he's looking out into the ocean, and he sees that the water's all tainted with blood. Which is freaking crazy. And he's kind of like, well, what the heck's going on here? And bodies start kind of washing up onto the shore. And we see that they're Atlanteans. They look Atlantean to me. And then coming up out of the water after them is uh, 
This well, looks like an Atlantean woman. Calling herself Thera Sar Namora of Atlantis. And I seek heroes. So she's come up and she's got this crazy, like, almost Vulcan axe spear. It's quite possible she might be the one who killed all these Atlanteans. It's, we really don't know. But she says she's looking for heroes, but she looks pretty ticked off. Yeah, from, it does look good. From there, we cut back to Sun Girl, who's investigating what's going on in Green, um, Grand, Central. Grand Central Station. Mm-hmm. And she kind of, like, we see that she's not a very experienced hero at this point, because she kind of makes some, some strange choices here. But she manages to get inside, and we find, once again, these uh, these things that are wiping out um, mutation, attacking the Morlocks. And this is kind of a strange choice, because it looks like Marrow's right there in the middle. Even though she's not like that anymore. So, either way, it looks like Morlocks. Yeah, I guess I didn't pick up on that beam, but it does look like the old old school. Yeah, it looks like old Merle. She's wearing the green and yeah, she's wearing blue the green pants. and has little horns. And you, yeah, man, it, that is who it is. It looks, it looks it's straight up her. It's Morlock. X Force. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Um. Anyways, so she's down there and seeing the mutants being basically killed by these Guardians of Evolution or whatever they are. And then we flash again to another part of New Mexico. We're actually just in regular New Mexico, sorry. We've been in Mexico. Yeah. Um, where we catch up with Nova. And uh, this is another kind of interesting old connection. Because if you were reading the Avengers Academy, you know that they picked up a alien who could shape change and would, like, feed off of other more powerful beings and, like, eat their... Basically, like, eat their psychic energy until they were dead. And uh, he's still in some kind of warehouse, and Nova's run across him. And it's kind of funny, because it's a real kid response to, like, oh, man, you just look you look so grody, i got to attack you. Isn't that like a dire wraith or some weird thing? From... It, it's close. It's like, if it is a wraith, it's a wraith hybrid. Because it's not entirely a wraith, but it's not an actual person either. Because can shape change. They look stuff. a lot, because it looks a lot like the wraiths from the old... It has a very similar Wrong. look, yeah. Oh, exactly. he's right. It does look like a diary from Ron. Mm-hmm. It's it's not, but it it does that's yeah, it does look really close. Especially yeah, when it freaks out in the next two pages. Um, but it might be a combination Wraith human. Maybe because I I know that he's he's not, but he's tied to an another old old character like we saw with Sun Girl, like he's been around for a, a long time, so. Uh, but yeah, Nova's just pretty much blasting the heck out of him. And eventually he reverts to this form where he's this kid. I'm like, well, why are you hurting him, And he's like, oh, you were looking so scary earlier. I just kept blasting you because you look gross. There's like this really kind of kid response. But uh, this creature has done this a lot where it's like tricked people into feeling sorry for it so it can attack them. And that's exactly what it tries to do. It rises up and tries to tries to kill Nova. And before it can attack, uh, it's attacked from behind by these guardians of evolution. And they're talking about destroying the tainted blood, that they want to burn it all. And Nova kind of tries to tries to reason with them, because he's never seen them before. He thinks they came in and helped him. And he's like, hey, uh, thanks guys, my name's Nova. Are you guys uh, 
I don't know, robots or something? And then from off panel here, somebody say, no, Sam Alexander. And he shoots him in the back. And it winds up being the high evolutionary. And he says, they are the evolutionaries. And they are the salvation of the human race. Like we have this kind of real creepy scene with him reaching down like he's going to try to take Nova's helmet. And uh, he's talking about how he's going to try to use now Nova's power to somehow help him do what he wants to do, like to, to change the human race. So, but High Evolutionary is one of those characters that, like, we haven't used him a ton. And he kind of is like Mr. Sinister level of creepy and badness. So, like, he's got a game plan, but half the time it's really hard to figure out what it is. So sinister that he's just sinister? He's too sinister for his own good. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. But yeah, the evolutionaries, they, they did show up, like, maybe two years, it was like maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, when they were in that X-Men book. Yeah, it was about two. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think we've seen them since then, but they really, the way they look right now, they really do look like robot Tony Starks, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, almost. Yeah, a little bit. Anyway, uh, Curtis, did you read this book? No. You want to score it? Three. All right. You missed out. It's actually really good. There's nothing else for Kane like yelling at the people. It's pretty awesome. You're gonna die in Mexico. <laughs> Rob, uh, I actually I enjoyed it. I, I wanted this to be a good book, and I think it turned out really well. Um, I think probably three as well. Um, I wish it had a little bit more like moving story. So like it's a little too much setup, but. All right. Um, you know, I, I give it a three, too. The art's really good. Like, the introductions, the characters. A lot of time when you're starting at number one, the, the introductions get, they're just so heavy. And this one, it, it's heavy, but every character's got a moving piece to the story. So it, it, it wasn't just like blip here, blip here, blip here, and then here's a bigger story, yeah. So I, I don't know. I like the way they did it. Uh, I see what you mean, but I liked it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Mike? I give it a three, too. Mike, three. It's, uh, it's good seeing uh, Kane revert back to right. his old self. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm disappointed that the Scarlet Spider series is gone, but if they continue to write him the same way, it, I think it'll be good. Same writer, too. So. Well, yeah, and that helps. At least right now, it's the same writer, so we'll see. Anyway. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience with that. I mean, the Speedball character seems to be pretty cool, just from what little I've seen of him. Um, the others... Well, well, just, Nova's, Nova's just, cool, Justice and him are... Yeah. They're both... They're both, like, C-level characters from the early 80s, man. Like, so... And everybody else is either from older than that or more modern. I mean, the newer version of uh, Nova, which we all like. And the and Kane, the healed hero slash vigilante Kane. Anti-hero. So, like, the uh, anti-hero, yeah. Don't be an asshole, idiot Kane. Right, yeah, exactly. Perfect. Don't cross against the light, you dumbass Kane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you made me help you. Damn you to hell! <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited for it. I th- I think it's going to be a really strong series. So, and it's kind of nice to see something that's not X-Men. It's not Avengers. It's yet. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Avengers, be... all new X-Men. Wolverine <laughs> will be on the team eventually. Wolverine will probably be on the team eventually, but you know, right now it's not called old they're warriors. They're <laughs> what are you trying we, to say? Wolverine is timeless. <laughs> Yeah, but or they'll tired. throw, or they'll throw Cyclops, one of the X Men. No, they I, I don't think it'll be. If there is X Men that shows up on there, it won't be a 
I find it unlikely. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Cyclops is headed to space with his, with yeah. Are you talking about kid Cyclops? Yeah. Yeah. Well, kid Cyclops or not kid Cyclops. Yeah, that's getting its own series. Yeah. Right. Jesus. Should have mentioned that earlier. Well, it's not because of him that it'd be any good. It's because of but his supporting cast. The Star Dreamers. Yes. Corsair. Yes. Yeah. I'm on board. That that should be at the beginning of the show. Is Corsair alive again? Apparently, he was never dead. Huh. Well, okay. The old sword under the arm trick, huh? <laughs> Secrets I, and lies. I can't remember how he died now, to tell you the truth. I so. think we were just told he died. I don't think we ever saw it. Hmm. If I, I can't remember. I just know that he was dead during the whole Vulcan thing, and I think we were told he was dead by the other Star Because he was out of his Vulcan mind. <laughs> <laughs> Different kind of Vulcan. <laughs> it's a pinch. Words. <laughs> Pointy ears. <laughs> Logic, sir. Oh, good times. Good times. All right, let's move on to uh, the Undertow. The Undertow. What do you know about this book, Curtis? I know it's by Russian guys. That's that's why I like to hear. I guess. <laughs> I know it takes place on Atlantis. Also, I like to hear that too. And I believe it's on a different world than ours. I don't think so. I think. It's I just... think because it says, well, we'll see. It hmm. says now, and when they're yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's hard to say. Let us um, venture forth, Sally Forth. Sally, Sally Forth. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, we actually open it up to this uh, view over the ocean, and then uh, something kind of starts beginning to push into the frame, and we have seagulls kind of flapping around it. Um, pecking at the water, and then we see it kind of pass by us, and it looks like two giant sailing ships that have been lashed together, but they're they're flying over the ocean. And we kind of still get the gulls flying around, and then either we have something that is, I guess we have something that's breaching the water surface. It must be must be bodies that are. No, I, I see that now. Something is breaching the water surface. I, I kind of thought at first it was like fish or something that were mm-hmm. eating the birds. But now I, I'm i pretty sure it's actually the bodies that were revealed on the next page bleeding out into the ocean. Um, no, it, look, it looks like sharks or something. Yeah. I At first I thought it was something falling off the ship. Yeah, or, that's what I thought too. Or something like that. I think it's actually the bodies coming up. So either way, um, what we find ourselves in the middle of is a war being fought in Atlantis. Under the underwater, it seems the, uh, it seems like maybe all of the ocean is Atlantis, maybe? It's possible. They talk about, there's a little bit later, they talk about different factions, or different, not factions, different sections, like cities, but under the water, so. They, they talk about this as the outer Atlantean territories. Right. And evidently they're having some kind of a border skirmish there. And it says after that, it says before, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're seeing is we have a character that's kind of on the forefront of the screen and just carnage everywhere. There's like an arm floating around in front of him with blood coming out of it. we got guys in the background bleeding out. We're seeing like these kind of weird pistols firing and blowing things up and chopping guys in half and you know, people being sliced open. So, like, you're getting a lot of carnage from 360 degrees. And we got characters with swords, and we got characters with guns. It really is a bloody mess. 
And uh, we're kind of getting this introspection from our character here about how he was kind of like a noble. Like his, his life was pretty much very cushy. And like everything for him was picked before he did anything. And so his family took care of this and his family took care of that. And he was approved for this and he went into his private schools and all that. And so he felt like he never did anything for himself. He never got to do anything that he wanted to do. Even his marriage was pre-arranged. Like pre-arranged for him. And so, as kind of an act of rebellion, he decided, I'm going to go be a part of the military. So I'm going to do things that I've never done and see things I've never seen. And right now he's seeing death, like, everywhere. And I think he's finally, like, seeing kind of some of the regret of what, you know, what, what the ugly world can be. Or that maybe he could actually die. Yes. Um, and we're kind of having gliding around in this conflict... And he kind of meets up with other characters or other soldiers, and like they're being kind of cut down as he's going. Um, and from there, we start kind of hearing him talk about this legend, some kind of um, some kind of raider that has only been whispered about, who evidently kills everything that he comes across and takes slaves and uses them for his own purposes, and that he's evidently joined the battle, and. Uh, because we see that same ship that was flying over underwater now. Mm, that's true. So he was on his way to the fight. And he kind of meets up with one of these guys as his friend, and like his last words are pretty much like, don't let me wet my pants, and <laughs> then he gets slashed open from behind. So like life is really cheap in this battle. Like People are dying everywhere. And uh, he's kind of now just like trying to escape the situation. And uh, about halfway through the battle, this guy shows up on, um, I don't know how else to describe it, so I'm going to say what it looks like to me, which is like Serpentor's flying chariot. He does look like that. From oh, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, Serpentor's flying chariot. That's exactly what it looks like. You know what he's talking about? No, but I was thinking the, the things in Flash Gordon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like that too, yeah. <laughs> right, the, the that's, what, that's probably what Serpentor's chariot was from probably it's, it's possible like they took the design for it but yeah it kind of looks like the hawkman it was it was the hawkman's the flying yeah. things yeah because yeah. they couldn't really fly i guess yeah they had wings yeah. but they were for show. <laughs> some of those guys had a few too many to drink to fly so they needed a flying chariot sometimes that would think it crashed really good <laughs> there you go um and he basically is like well you can die here or you can be reborn with me And so it's kind of your choice. You could do, you could do one or the other. Right. And so he decides, like, uh, why not? You know, I'll take my chances with this guy. Right. His name is Redum Art and Shargal. Mm. So, like a lot of their names. <laughs> yeah. See, and then it says land today. Yeah. So, I don't think it's on our planet. It's kind of to say. I think it's today for the time that it is. But I've never seen this kind of thing. Well, this is back in Cro-Magnon time. Yeah, man. I've read this, a lot this of books. Predates, <laughs> this predates... I, I, I'm fairly certain that this predates our species Existence. according to evolution. So you think this is going to be us coming out yes, of the water? Yes, maybe. Makes sense, right? Well, That's what I thought, too. But. Pro, pro Magda Man running around, these crazy beasts that, I mean, resemble things we've seen, but not... Pro Magda are awesome. 
It's a good band, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we see them in spacesuits, kind of. That's yeah. what they look like, yeah. Filled and, with water instead of just air. Yeah. yeah. So they can breach land. And they're they're observing the human tribes, and they talk about how this group is more organized than the rest, and they're using tools, and he's kind of talking about, like, how strangely different this is. Mm-hmm. How, um, like, like he... he thought that you couldn't explore anything anymore like all the mysteries were solved right and this is all new and it's all, it's all strange from, to them it's all from redam or whatever his name is mm, yeah so he's kid. leading this party is it the kid we're listening to or is it the captain i think the i think it's still the kid isn't it the, no yeah the kid's saying it about the captain right yeah. okay we're getting to see the captain do a lot of stuff but it's it's kind of all told from the kid's point of view right so um but like they're watching them uh, after they kill this creature, kind of like rip it apart and eat it, and they're like, "Oh, it must be like a social thing." So it's like they don't quite understand what they're doing. Right. But um, from there, we start learning that there's like well, there's a lot of dangers in this part of the world, if you know, in this primitive world. And uh, they kind of look up and they see that the ship's being attacked by these giant carrion birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they manage to like, I guess, jetpack their way. That's up to, yeah, yeah, up to the ship to find these, you know, these big uh, vultures attacking the ship, and like they've managed to crush the the domes of some of the spacesuits, basically, on the ship, which is not only crushing the people inside, but you know, causing them to suffocate. Probably suffocate. Yeah. Uh, actually, later we we learn that to be completely true, and the birds are like trying to take the the people away. And the captain kind of mobilizes his team and, like, he's shooting them with the gun and, like, getting everybody together because the rest of the guys on board are kind of, like, I don't know, they seem to be kind of left defenseless. Like, they don't know what to do. They're freaking the hell out, man. Yeah. I kind of think it's like a hunter-gatherer-type party. The hunters went out and the gatherers stayed. Probably. And all the hunters took all their yeah. weapons. And um, they probably weren't expecting it. Along yeah. with that, a lot of these people, I, I get the feeling this is some of their first times ever being mm-hmm. out of the ocean. There's no birds in the ocean. Right. It's a very good point. Yeah. Well, and this is the captain's point of view. And he's saying these people left their lives and trusted me. And I think he said something like there's 2,000 of them yeah. that have entrusted him with their lives. Mm-hmm. So they have left the ocean in his flying dirigible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Pretty much what it looks like. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, um, but he starts taking care of all these... Uh, these uh, vultures, and he's managing to get uh, the people down below, including like this kind of little girl that's a part of their group. And he winds up being attacked by uh, by one of the, uh, the birds. Yeah, Vulture. One, of the, one of the vultures. Yes, and his dome gets smashed, uh, and he still kind of like has the presence of mind to take the kid down below. And one of the uh, one of the people on his ship like, manages to bring him some oxygen. It's actually the, the kid that we're having the story told for him. And their oxygen is basically like a, like a mouth breather with water, water bottles on the side. So when you say oxygen, what you really mean is water. Yeah, but they refer to it as oxygen. Well, too. They, yeah, they do. Yeah. But um, he comes back with them, and the situation is pretty much safe now. And uh, they're kind of looking around the deck, and there's these people with the shattered helmet. And uh, he tells him to, like, blind this man's eyes 
so he's not staring up to the to the sky. And he's talking to him basically about like kind of the fear of suffocation. And he's like, I, I want you to do something for me. And the kid's like, Well, what's that? And he's like, I want you to let the let the water out of your your helmet, let the air out of your helmet. And so he lets it drain down. And he takes he takes like about a step, and he starts freaking out and he can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And he starts to collapse, like just freaking out that he doesn't have any air. And uh, the captain gets him into the water that's just below the deck of the of the ship. Mm-hmm. And I think what he's basically doing is he's explaining to him like we have to be kind of ready for these situations. And prior to that, when uh, the captain got his mask broken and all the water leaked out, he didn't panic. No. And he, he said, officer, I'm fine. And then he got his bladder to yeah. breathe out of. He even was talking. Yeah, so he's he's done this a time or two. Yeah, well, I think the whole reason he did that was that the people that are from Atlantis here, mm-hmm. they've never been in a situation that they couldn't breathe. Right. And so when they take that first breath of air and they can't process it, like, they freak out, and that's why, like, there were so many of them that had died on mm-hmm. the deck. And so I think he was kind of trying to teach him... No, I, I totally agree a, with a that. ...a little bit of, like, the differences between, you know, being under the sea and being up here. Kind of reminds me of the abyss. When they have his, right? Their... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and from there, we kind of get to see the insides of the dirigible. And, like, he's got life uh, plants and stuff that, that they've grown in there that are producing the oxygen and... They talk about the supplies of the ocean water that they have and the discoveries that they've made and you know how they're keeping this thing all going. And it's actually kind of funny. They have little things in the background that um, have um, like a hashtag by them. A little asterisk. Yeah, a little asterisk. And they throw them down at the bottom so we know what they are. I don't know how important those are going to be for later. I- like I told Steve earlier, I think it's just to set up that they have their own language. Mm, probably. <clears throat> I kind of like that they have it there. I agree. Because I, I tried to read some of that stuff. But, like, I didn't see any, like, asterisks in the text, and I'm like, what the hell is this referencing? <laughs> mm. So you had to look for it in the picture. Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of like that sometimes, you know, when they, they have translations, I kind of like that they put it at the bottom or whatever, and what language it's supposed to be. Um, but from there, we're kind of just getting a, a quick run through of what the society is like on the ship. And so we've seen that they've kind of built out everything. They have medical facilities, they have like an orphanage, and we kind of see there for the first time that like people have carried on their life, but it's a dangerous life. And so there's, there's going to be people that are casualties, and sometimes that means kids that don't have the people around them. And we kind of learn that the, the captain's feels that he's responsible for everybody, that he's brought them all here, and that this is the life that he's made for them. And, like, how important it is that they get to keep going with that. And yeah. then we kind of... I'm sorry? Yeah, because you said that Atlanteans became complacent, so it's kind of like a social commentary on us. And he said the ones that want to wake up are, and they're here with him. So that's that 2,000 that he's under. They chose to go with him. Well, then um, we learn from the kid that the way that he's perceived by the Atlanteans is like he's some kind of monster. Mm-hmm. And that he's just capturing people and taking slaves and doing who knows what with them. Right. Uh, and he kind of feels himself, he sees himself as kind of a revolutionary. But we find out that from this kid, like, that Atlantean society is, like, so buttoned up that they don't even 
admit that there's even problems. Mm-hmm. And one of the stories that I wasn't happy with in here, but whatever, was him talking about like every time his parents would go out of town, that they would sneak into his dad's office and they would take some kind of narcotic Tangle. in there. Yeah, they get high as hell, but. Like, the dad would always replace him. He would never say anything because it was too much of a scandal to even address that with your kid. And so... I believe the phrase he used was uh, trip gills. Trip and gills, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It seems a little out of place, but I think it's because it's supposed to be... Like, that. that's how badly their society kind of just doesn't deal with stuff. Is that you wouldn't even deal with your kid, like, stealing your stash... <laughs> So. It is a direct reflection of our society. Hmm. Yeah, because the captain says your father was trash. You were a commodity to him. In a way, it sounds like that was the case. Because even you know, he, when he was talking earlier about how everything was planned for him, mm-hmm. he was more Cause like a bargain Because the father wanted to go that way, mm-hmm. vicariously. Um, from there, we actually see that they have their own little like sitting area that's like a little piece of nature inside the ship. Um, the next part gets a little murky for me, because I, I don't quite understand exactly what he was doing, because the captain kind of goes back to make his own plans, and he's met by this uh, lady that is his lover, and he's talking about like the things he's had to give up to kind of make this work, and as she and he kind of like get more acquainted, uh, she takes off his shirt, and we see like there's like a, an old school treasure map. <laughs> Like, tattooed on his chest. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Which, I guess we'll get back to that, but it seems pretty... I'm guessing this is the land, the map of the land that he's been on, and no, he doesn't want anybody else to know. Mm. So he's going to keep it on him. Kind of like, I remember somebody did that, they had it on their back, and they cut it off their back. I don't remember. Oh, Waterworld. Yeah, it's in Waterworld. <laughs> The map map for the world. Yeah, and yeah, I'm guessing I mean, that's what this is. Probably, possibly, yeah, that would make sense. Because he's, like like we said, he's been able to breathe the air. Right. So he's been out on this land before. Do you think he can breathe? I think he can breathe a little bit. Yeah, I It doesn't so kill him like it kills the other guys. Because mm. when his mask got broken open, all the water drained out, he said, I'm fine. And then he got the water back on. Whereas, yeah. Whereas the others immediately. The other ones just immediately went out. I, I think, honestly, he's, he's like a fish. Like, I think the rest of them are like a fish. Like, they, they get out of the water and they're like, I don't understand what's going on. And they just lose it. And they just suffocate because they don't know to well, hold their breath. But he's learned. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. He's learned to do this over yeah. time. I don't know if he's actually learned to breathe as much as he's learned to, like control that reflex to try and to... That's fine. We're yeah. fighting for the same thing here. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's just... Well, because I, I think the next step is, like, when they start doing this next mm-hmm. incursion... No, I understand. Okay. I understand. I just think that he's conditioned himself not to die right away like the others do. Okay. Yeah. At first take, I that I, I thought that he could do both also. Right. I, th- I thought he can, can maybe... condition himself. Yeah. But, like he said, he can condition himself... To hold his breath. Or... Right, that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. But uh, I'll, I'll explain, I guess, why I think he can't hear in a minute. Anyways, uh, so the next thing is, uh, it says days later. Um, our our kid is play, uh, preparing for his first dry mission, is what they call it. And so he's all set up with his, uh, his spaceman suit, basically. And they're going to an undersea cave. 
and they're looking for the amphibian. Which is they're going to an undersea cave on a different planet. Is it on a different planet? Yeah, because they're in a spaceship right now. Oh, there you go. So they they've mastered Evidently. space flight. Evidently, not only have they have they kind of started going on the land, but maybe they've it's weird. Yeah. I I didn't get that they had uh, they had space, but possibly. The the color palette in here is so crazy. Sometimes it's hard to say. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, no, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just nighttime at this point. And it, it's hard down. to tell if they're supposed to, if they're supposed to be flying it through the water, because when they say dry, it means the opposite. So like for us, dry is land, water would right. be wet. But for them, everything's reversed. Just like when they talk about air, they're talking about water. So I think that when he says dry land, I think they mean. But I think his ship's up in the air. Oh, maybe. And then they come yeah. out. Well, there are certain panels that you really don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, I thought it was in space at first, but when you looked over here, so you may be right. Yeah, I don't and know. maybe. See, that's, that's another thing that when I when we first yeah keep going real. But we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I think. As as the story continues, <laughs> we'll probably learn more. God damn it! Uh, there is a point where where they're landing. Craft comes down and it looks like there's more uh, primates. Let's see it, yeah. or uh, more Cro Magnon. Let's see it and like right. freak out. Um, but they're kind of heading to this underwater grotto, and once they get in there, they start taking off the spacesuits, and they just got like kind of rebreathers, and eventually they just go under. But the the whole time they're talking about finding this guy who's an amphibian, and he's been adapted to live on both above and below the sea. And they, I think that what what I got from it was that they wanted to find him to find out why he was able to do that, so they could maybe recreate that in themselves. So yeah, I think so too. So they could do both. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The problem is, evidently, the amphibian has been an outcast of both societies, and probably been so for so long. The captain's convinced that if he is still here, he's probably crazy as all hell because he's been completely alone for five or six years or who knows how long. I think he said like four or five years, but... Something like that. He talked about how he's probably been talking to himself this entire time. So or, or getting grounded at by humans. Yeah, he just right. says alone for years. Yeah, okay. And um, we kind of get this last part there where he's like, everybody be frosty, and, like keep an eye out for where this guy could be. And he turns back to tell everybody that. And like we can see in the glow from his glow stick, like this crazy crab-like creature right behind him at the very end of the panel. Yeah, it's insane looking. Mm -hmm. So if, is that the fam amphibian? Or is that just some giant crab monster that's under the water? Who knows? But that's kind of where they end it. So... It's actually a pretty darn neat story. It's a pretty good catch at the end. But yeah, there's there's some moments in there where I, I wish the art was a little tighter. It's not bad art. I think it's the coloring. It it's probably is because the color flat. Coloring's really surreal at times. Mm -hmm. You know, so well there'll be one panel that's in one shade, like a purple or whatever. The next panel under it's like more of a green, and but the whole panel is is that way. Yeah, the entire all the way. That through. really kind of throws yeah. you off. Yeah. 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 I just take a little getting used to. Right. Well, I think the more I've looked over it, the more I've kind of been like, eh, you know. You adapt to it as you go, I think. I mm -hmm. think this talking about it after a reading makes it that much better. Mm -hmm. I really do. That's, yeah, I can give you that. That's why I kind of feel like 
he probably hasn't adapted to breathe yet. Is mm-hmm. that they're looking for the amphibian to figure out why? Well, no, I know that. Yeah. I'm just saying he's probably been able to condition himself to not freak out and die. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> because he's done it before. Yeah. And he's like he, the only one that's done it. He's yeah, probably he, done it many times. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be like. And he's probably tried that and been like. Yeah. I think that's what. Yeah, I think that's exactly why we, we had him do that later. So. But yeah, he's he's legit. Um, he's showing off he's badass. A little bit, a little bit. But I think he's also preparing the kid. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. I kind of wonder. I, it's really early in this story to think this, but like, I kind of wonder if he sees like potential in this kid to take over for him. Yeah, that's kind of what. Yeah, there really isn't. He doesn't explain why he's so focused on the kid, this mm-hmm. particular kid. That kid might have been the only one left in the battle because we saw everybody die. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> it very much looks like you're there at the end But of why the give him and... the chance and not someone else? Or, yeah. You know, right. No, I understand. He knew. He seemed to know exactly who he was. And there's also another, like, catch. So whenever the the, the lover shows up and the two of them are talking, she's like, you're, you're getting him ready. And he's like, I'll need you there to get him ready, too. And then they completely leave that and go to the next scene. I'm like, hang on. I don't ready for what? <laughs> yeah, looks I mean? like you they've got something. Thought. Was, Tickle time. Yes, yeah, you know <laughs> that's that's how I work, I guess. What is this? But the same. <laughs> well, you know what it is, Van. Don't. You, it's why we don't have video because you get way more trouble than what we. You know when you take a pig and you put it in the ground, you have it on thing, you turn it around, spit roast. That's what it is. All right, keep on moving. All right. <laughs> But so kinda, there's pork involved? I kind of wonder if maybe... Well, <laughs> you said it, sir. Hey, Rob, score the book, please. Let's use swordfish. You can't light water. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh. Let's do... I, I, honestly, I was not looking too forward to, to reading this one. I just thought it was going to be a watered-down wake. And it surprised the heck out of me. It's really good, so I'm going to give it a three. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll follow you with that also. I'll give it a three. Like I, I'll give you when I when I first was going through it, the first five pages, I'm like, man, what the hell is going on? And then I think as I got a, I guess accustomed to the art, maybe, um, it became a lot easier. But by the time I got to the end of it, I was, I was okay with it. But it really took me those first few pages. I'm like, man, I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be even looking at. I think me and Mark were talking about it a little earlier, and he felt the same way. I think. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, dude, no, trust me. Once you get past the first part, it, it gets easier. But I, and maybe it's that color palette thing where you have that giant all blue page and there's nothing dividing anything. It, it's crazy because it's not like really a splash page, but it's kind of a splash page. It's hard to differentiate what's going on yeah. in the panel in different and, areas of that, you know, splash. Maybe it is just the colors. I think that was chaos. The first five pages was chaos because right. of the big battle. Well, yeah, well, and that makes sense and, for it to be a war, but like it's, yeah. even, it's even that way, like. Yeah, it, the whole battle is in the five pages, though. But, yeah, you're, you're right. Maybe it is just because of the war. Yeah, I didn't. But even that first page, like, are they dropping things in the water? Is the things coming up from the bottom of the water? I, I agree with it being body parts because that makes the carnage even more hardcore. Right. But at the fir- with first glance, I'm like, hang on. Did they drop something? Look at what the hell's going on. Right. So, like, it, I, I'll give you that part. It, it took me a minute to get accustomed to it. But as far as, like, book in general, I'm looking forward to the next issue. So, uh, three. Yeah. I, I had the same thing. It, it was kind of hard to differentiate characters sometimes, just just because the characters have such a unique kind of looks to each of them. But like panel to panel, sometimes it's it's kind of like, oh, who the heck was that? Like we know the captain pretty easily because he's got this crazy scar on his face. 
but some of the other supporting characters, like there was at least one in there that's supposed to be this real tomboy type girl that's like his second um, on the dry mission. And I don't know if we've ever seen her before or she was supposed to be important or what because I, I honestly didn't recognize her in a lot of scenes. So, I don't know. Mr. Mike? It took me three different times to get through it. I... It's definitely going to be, be one of those. Uh, you got to be in the mood to tackle the right. the, the crazy art, but uh, it, I'll give it a three. I mean, I'm, I'm looking. I want to check out the next issue. See, right. See if it, things kind of calm down a little bit. Sure. Kurt, I'll, I'll give it a three. And you guys know I'm kind of an art guy. Anyway, yeah. But this one didn't bother me that much. Yeah. It's more detailed than a lot. That we get that are yeah, it's got it's got a lot packed into those pages, and maybe that's part of it too. Is just I don't know it 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 it, and it doesn't look inked. I think that's straight pencil. So oh, mm, you I know maybe that's why it's yeah, you know on. yeah. Now that you bring that up, I maybe that's be. what it is then. And, and you, I think you probably scored a three just based on the fact alone that Prankabilia didn't draw it. Oh, man, if, yeah, I'll give it a four for that. <laughs> no, that doesn't. I don't think that's how it works. I, I don't think we're in danger of Frankovia drawing this one, but no, I I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Maybe. But I'm a, I'm a big sci-fi, uh, not of this world kind of stuff. So right, right. Yeah, the premise alone is enough to make you want to check it out anyway. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it really was a fun read. It's it's, it's, it's yeah. like it's, got it's like potential. Kevin Costner before we saw him on a boat. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know if that's a good way to describe things. Where does Dennis Hopper come into it then? This is before he was on a boat. Oh. Yeah. Well, Dennis before. Hopper was not on a boat too at some point. <laughs> don't you ever forget. I think that's what you're looking for. He's the crow mag. Maybe. He could be just Odin. Could be. I mean, right? Right. Nah, he was probably still busy being lefty in Chainsaw Massacre 2 movie. Dude, that was terrible. Ridiculous. Oh, my God. Ridiculous. Matthew McConaughey? Mm-hmm. Terrible. So, was he in the second one? Mm-hmm. No, first one. That was the third in, like, the late 90s, early 90s. You're talking about the, oh, the, the third, Matthew, yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, the second one was just the... He's still bad. Yeah, no, I remember. Lefty or the big giant hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was supposed that, to be goofy. That first one, yeah. All right. Enough about that. The dude scraping his plate with yeah. the hanger. Yeah. I remember. Anyway. All right. Good, good, good job. Uh, let's move on to the uh, Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier. All right. Uh, the story actually takes place in 1966, which is uh, evidently firmly in the time where Winter Soldier was a Soviet assassin. So. That doesn't make sense at all. Hmm. Oh, well. How so? I don't know the Winter Soldier, I guess. Oh. Well, okay. You know who the Winter Soldier is. I don't. I know, but I don't know his past. Oh, okay. I don't know how long he's been the Winter Soldier. Um, basically, ever since he went missing as, as Bucky, the idea was that he was, uh, he was evidently scooped up by the Soviets. They replaced his arm that was blown off um, whenever he fell off the, the missile with, uh, with Cap. And uh, they began brainwashing him and using his skills that he picked up as Bucky to be an assassin for them. He got frozen too, right? Yeah. Well, they he didn't initially get frozen. He was he was actually found by the Soviets when they went to scour the wreckage. They were looking for Cap, and they found Bucky still alive. Yeah, but um, after they found him and gave him the robot arm, then it was freeze, brainwash, freeze, brainwash, repeat. 
Yeah, they, over centuries. Yeah, yeah. They, well, decades. Decades, my bad. Centuries? That's hundreds. Holy crap. Or t- decades. Ten, tens. Uh, decades. It can be centuries. Then we have Robot Lincoln. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Bucky probably killed him. So, <laughs> no. like, like, freedom for the robots. No. We're all equal. And, ah, stabs them. We are going all right. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, pretty much the storyline is that he's... He's supposed to have been ran out to do assassinations, and then when he comes back in, they'd brainwash him, freeze him again, and they'd only send him out ever so many times. Kind of like the last Venom. That, yeah, pretty much the whole idea was that he was he was like the last Venom. Huh. They were only supposed to use it so many times. Um, evidently, at some point, the Winter Soldier and Natasha get paired up through the Red Room. Paired up. Well, yeah, they they were. There's a little bit of that too. They were uh, they're supposed to be counterparts in missions and stuff. Right. But they kind of found a relationship, sort of. But Bucky's part of it was pretty much he'd go in and be deep freezed and then brought back out and brainwashed. So hmm. his relationship with her was about as weird as it could get. Well, Fifty first dates. There you go. Kind of. But with a lot more murder. Oh god. They All actually right. go like on. in some of those stories they even got on him because he would be doing a mission and he would say something in English and they're like what's oh, conditioning sleeping and so they like jump on him and like make him be doing stuff in Russian and huh. go and brainwash him again so like evidently he was very effective but he was he was like a legend for a long time so people who had run across him many did not survive right um, alright so it's 1966 and uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. is pretty much in charge of this thing what it is is the the two Nazi scientists have found the alchemy formula. Why was that so hard? I don't know, but it's basically like it has the same it has the same abilities as the philosopher's stone. It allows you to do things with alchemy that you shouldn't be able to do. Turn like, lead to gold, like a metal arm. You you basically can break well possibly, but in this case it's like you can break all of the rules of alchemy. Because you just can't just change one element to something else, but evidently Somebody this can. evidently this formula can. And just, there's actually some Marvel villains and heroes that can do that too. Mm-hmm. But this allows everyone to, <laughs> which means it's bad news for the enemy to have. See him turn water into wine. There you go. But evidently Hydra has these these Nazi agents. So Shield wants to stop that from happening, of course. So Nick and one of the other agents have gone out to try to head off this, uh... Ran Shin. Is it Ran Shin? Ran Shin's the other agent, yeah. Okay. And we're not just Nick, it's the original badass The, the original Nick Fury. Nick Fury. The Fury that was around in 1966. The Starenko Of the Fury. Commandos. There you go. He had dum-dums in it. Yeah, for, for a brief moment, he is. Huh. And they're, uh, they're chasing down this Hydra operative who's trying to escape uh, on skis, and they both got jet skis. And they wind up... Um, Jet skis. Yeah. yeah. Snowmobiles is what he means. Snowmobiles. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> jet skis for the snow. They have snow well, jet shield, skis. Yeah, it would be jet skis. Yeah. And giant giant seahorses to ride. That's a different... You stop it. <laughs> and snowmobiles. I'm sorry. They, either way, though, um, they managed to catch up with him and, like, rather than just try to shoot him because they want to bring him in for questioning and find out what they know about this Russian scientist and, like, where they're keeping him. Uh, Nick, like, fully jumps off his jet ski to punch him in the head. 
Which is great. It has like a lot of great action as they're kind of bloodied his nose, didn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he managed to do that. Um, it's a very double oh seven. Mm-hmm. He actually managed to wind up uh, getting the drop on Nick and pointing a gun in his face, and we see him get like hit in the back of the head with like a little mini crossbow, which winds up being the other agent, Ranchin. Um And unfortunately, like the the Hydra agent falls off the side of this precipice and they kind of have this whole talk about like man if he just fell the other way instead of falling to his death <laughs> we could have gotten information from him or a key card or something and from from there we kind of see like where they were heading which is like this crazy hydra mountain fortress and he and nick are talking about how how they think it's best to break in and nick and him kind of make this bed of like well, I'll climb through this mountainside entrance into the sewer, and I'll get in there before you. And the other guy's like, well, I'll go up high and come in through the top balconies. And so like, they make this bet about who can get into there first. And uh, we kind of start seeing what Hydra's plan is, which is that they're going to use the alchemy formula to change the world. Like, they're going to use it to create more gold than anywhere else in the world like they could even flatten the all the economies of the world yeah they're planning to destroy the world economy by unbalancing the seats of power as far as like country money wise but even more than that you know why stop at gold when they can make uranium when they make vibranium animantium like any of the kind of precious metals that you could think of in the world this formula can make so they're basically going to try to corner the market on everything and this is kind of like their big celebration thing. So, like, all the people that have founded and, and worked to keep Hydra in power, this is the payback. Now, the character here I don't recognize, and I have to admit I didn't do a lot of Sestranko Nick Fury. So I don't know if she's a character that we've seen before. She's kind of got, like, a, an ebony skin and, like, three eyes. Yeah, we, this is the first time she ever appeared. Is it? Yeah. yeah. But she's, uh, she's kind of acting head of Hydra at this moment. And um, Agent Rankar? Ran. Ran? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm thinking Rankar. So I guess because I read too much Green Lantern, Red Lantern. Anyways, um, <laughs> he manages to get in first. And uh, he just kind of joins the party as is, kind of James Bond style. Even taking a, a couple of the drinks off of trays. And he's listening to uh, their plan. And they get to the end of it where they all go Hell Hydra. And, like, he only can, can put up one hand, and he's kind of talking to this girl about, like, oh, man, I never know what to do with my drink when it gets to the Hell Hydra point, you know? Like, <laughs> what do you do with it? And so he kind of starts up this whole conversation with her, and they have a few drinks, and he thinks he's going to get some information from her. She leads him off to what I presumed was her bedroom at first. Yeah. As they go, like, they swipe a card, and it winds up being, like, one of their big... Like kind of secret base things with a big missile missile silo and you know all kinds of things that he probably shouldn't be seeing. And he's just like, all right, well my charm is working out so far. He even lifts her key that's uh, hidden in a very uh, sensitive place. It would appear. Back of a Volkswagen. Mm. <laughs> I think that's cumbersome. That'd be an uncomfortable oh, place. Uncomfortable place. Although it does look like he pulled it from between her cheeks. So <laughs> yeah, it, that could be. Uh, that could be accurate, actually. Good stuff. But they're kind of totally making out as he steals her card. 
and he starts to kind of talk about like, wait a minute, like her tongue's gotten cold and it's like it's wiggling in my mouth all weird. <laughs> and he pulls back and she's got all kinds of weird like worms. Yeah. Coming out of her mouth is like almost like a trail of spaghetti between her mouth and his as he like pulls away from her and then they're like leeching all over the place. It's actually pretty grotesque. And they're trying to burrow into his skin. And she has a, a pretty funny comment here. My worms squirm and writhe, seeking entrance. Almost erotic, isn't it, Agent Shin? And she's got another one here later. Yeah. Kind of like what you're looking to me later. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Except, except for backwards, yeah. Yeah. Like, basically, they're like, trying to penetrate his body. A proposition you wanted to do. When they'd reverse, yeah. So, like, he's trying to, like, stop these worms from getting inside him. And there's actually one of them that winds up burrowing its way into his wrist. And he uses his little crossbow on his wrist to, to shoot out it. So, like, he's cutting himself open to get these worms out of him. It doesn't get any better. Like, it just kind of gets more gnarly as she, like, sends more and more of these tentacles from her mouth and stuff at him. You know how when I make Jack jokes about feeding Jack like a baby bird? It's like that because it's really gross. Yeah, but Jack's a dog. Just Jack, Jack is a okay. dog. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, Jack's a dog. I don't say I do it, man. I'm just, in my head, it's funny. Moving on. At, at pretty much the height of, like, kind of the grossness of these worms flying out of her mouth and everything. We see good old Nick's patch-eyed face, like, swing down here with a flamethrower on a rope. And he just starts burning her alive. <laughs> and she kind of, like, freaks out to run away from the flame and, like, jumps down the missile silo. And Nick, just as cool as can be, is like, Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It really is pretty awesome. Like it, it really is. That's the way he is. Yeah, yeah. I know, man. It's great. And the uh, the other guy, not to be outdone, is basically like, I still won the bet because I got in here first. Yeah. And so from them, like they they kind of use the stolen card to find the scientists, and they kill another uh, Hydra agent. And uh, as they're getting out, like the scientists are like asking them that they're Americans. And he's like, uh, what was Nick's line here? Oh, she, she goes, y you're Americans. And he's like, and you're being liberated. Ironic, right? Do as you're told, and you'll survive this. So, like, Nick is very, like, it's still the Cold War. Well, it's, it's still World War II for him. Shortly, yeah, yeah. yeah he, shortly after. Yeah, yeah. so it's 66, so he's still very much that way. And, like, um, pretty much... Uh, Shin and, and Nick both are, once again, having a discussion of, like, basically making a bet of which way is the best way to get out. Like, and Shin believes it's through the top, like, like the way he came in, and Nick wants to go through the sewers again. And uh, Shin's basically like, well, I won last time, so we're <laughs> going to do it my way. And so they're on their way up the stairs, and the the German scientist is basically like, where are you taking us? We're not going to be delivered back and forth like a football. I demand to know where we're going. And Nick's line, once again, is a very, like, Nick Fury from that period of time line, which is, you're going the hell I tell you, you Nazi, and not another word out of you. So, like, he's pretty hardcore about what he's doing. But, I think uh, he's a lot cooler than the current Nick Fury. 
Oh, come on now. Yes, it is. Time. I, I think the, the current Nick Fury for regular universe just isn't Samuel Jackson enough. <laughs> he's, he's right about that, yeah. Like, the Ultimates is Samuel, and the regular one is just... Yeah, the Ultimates yeah. one's all right. Yeah. He's he's not quite Samuel. He's not really Nick Fury. So, I yeah, they're two different. They're completely two different. Yeah, yeah. Which I wish Nick Fury would show up more, but whatever. It's cool to have him in this story, but um, they managed to get to the the rooftop, and I'm not exactly sure how they thought they were going to get their extract. Well, you see that in a second when they all decide to jump off the side of the building. Hmm. Oh no! But from there. The uh, the Winter Soldier makes his appearance in the book, and he's got you know kind of this gas mask on to cover his face. He just kind of drops out of nowhere and takes them both out with like in a second. Just kicks uh, ran in the head and like, takes down Fury pretty quick. And he grabs them both and then jumps off the side of the building. And they're kind of we're getting the introspective like how quickly this guy just took off of them. And like on his glider thing, or yeah, whatever. he's he's almost like a like a monster. Like he came in so quickly to take him out, and he doesn't seem to be really affiliated with the other two. So he just kind of stole their prize. But uh, we see him taking off, and he's got like his own little glider pack, and he's just holding on to both of them, one in each hand. And Nick and uh, Rand Rand take off in like like almost like flying squirrel suits. I don't know what they call those, like just human gliders. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Nick's trying to find a way to get ahead of him and uh, kind of dive bombs him. And he manages to come up and kind of destroy one of the wings of the Winter Soldier's uh, hang glider, which leaves Rand to try to pick up the scientists on the fall. Which he managed to catch them both in midair while Nick's fighting against the Winter Soldier. And uh, as he and Nick fight, the Winter Soldier actually managed to shoot Nick in the chest before, like, face-planting into the side of a hill. Rand managed to get to the ground and use kind of an emergency chute to soften their landings, but the whole time he's, like, worried about, you know, it wasn't meant for this many people, you know, there's no good landings, you know, hopefully I didn't kill anybody when we did this. Like, he actually makes a mention of, like, hopefully I don't break any of their backs or break any of their necks when we land. Yeah. And he kind of comes up on them and... The male scientist is okay, and the female one seems to be hurt in some way, and like he's he starts doing CPR to him. And the Russian scientist basically like reveals that this is his wife, and like that she better be okay. We're not going to work with you, and so he's trying to administer CPR. And the whole time he's thinking, like that was a guy. God help us, that's not the real Winter Soldier, because like if it is, we're probably done. But he had a red star on his arm. He's not even human anymore. He's like half man, he's half machine. Like He's got this legacy about him that's already built in that we know that we don't want to mess with the Winter Soldier. Well, yeah, and earlier when they, when, they, when they were talking about him maybe existing, it was no, one's, no one that sees his face lives. He's like and a they, myth. He's like a myth. We've both seen him. So, like, yeah, Shin, at this point, Shin's kind of like, man, I really hope that's not the real deal. And we've seen while him and Nick are fighting, basically the Winter Soldier winds up going over the side of a cliff. For the most part, yeah, he, he like face plants onto the cliff. Yeah, pretty, with his yeah. glider, Greg crashes right into it. Yeah, um, so the very last kind of panels of this page is him climbing his way up the side of this mountain. And so we managed to get him to the top, and he just he's continuing on after his prey. So 
I'm interested to see where we're going to go with this. Because I, I didn't really read a lot of the stuff when he was Winter Soldier. I don't think that they ever really did a lot of stories. I, they definitely didn't do any stories in S.H.I.E.L.D. of his time as the Winter Soldier. Nothing but flashbacks and stuff, so... Yeah, other than when he first started showing up and Cap was kind of chasing him, there wasn't really a whole lot of him working for the Russians. I mean, at that point it was, and then when the whole cosmic cube thing for him get his memory back, and yeah, all, everything gets sorted out at that point. But prior to that, like when Cap's first tracking him, yeah, there's little flashes here and there, but it's not like what this is. This is very much like he's on a mission to get these scientists and Nick Fury's in the damn way. So, yeah. it, it, the first issue's pretty good. Yeah, I kind of wondered why it was going to be a mini, and now I see why, because it's definitely like that period of time. So. I think a book like this could do well, though. I, I really hope so. I hope it's received really well. Um, does, does it look like Fury's going to continue in, into the story? I think so. Um, the downside is, like, he gets shot in the chest, and that's it. We don't see him again through this story. But, of it's, course, he's Nick Fury. It's so. an LMD. It's possible. I don't know if they have LMDs in the 60s or not. But yeah, they do. I don't see why not. He had a flying car in the 60s. <laughs> right? So. Yeah. Now, I, I, was, I would assume he will. I mean, if if the Winter Soldier didn't die, I doubt Nick Fury died. If, if he does, I'll probably pick up this book. Yeah? If Nick Fury dies? No. No, if, if he, he continues. continues. Oh. It really is pretty awesome. Because like, I, I, I could care less about Winter Soldier, but sure. I like Nick Fury. Yeah. But yeah, that whole time, they, so at the very beginning, whenever uh, he winds up jumping on the skis with the uh, with the Hydra agent, but the Hydra agent, the Hydra agent, when he flips him around, is basically he's got control of the situation before he gets the dart in the back of his head he's like completely hydra will rule ru- 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 the world hydra will destroy everything hydra's so great and he's like and then he gets to the end of it he's like hydra will and he gets the dart in the back of his neck and then off the cliff he goes and nick gets up will what and he's like i really want to know what he was gonna say shin and he's like Rrr. it's pretty funny it really is pretty good like I, I don't know i thought it was pretty funny classic nick Fury. yeah it really is Anyway, a and, book who, and, and who's writing this? Yeah, it's um, way that's it's way yeah. different. It's Rick Remender. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. You said it knowing that, <laughs> it, which it fits for like I don't know. Remender's a good writer, so he he writes. I mean, he can write yeah, so yeah. many different ways. It's, it seems like it's insane. I mean, this is the same guy that wrote black, that writes Black Science, right? And yeah. Uncanny X Force and. Oh yeah, no, Remender's Remender's awesome. So, um, actually, he had a, a pretty awesome answer for it, which is uh, probably something about how Hydra will always be the greatest place for anonymous psychopaths to get a cool green jumpsuit and die Never abroad really. while accidentally accomplishing nothing. While actually accomplishing nothing. So yeah, it's pretty. It's a, this is a pretty fun little book. Anyway, um, I would give it a uh, three and a half. Cause I, I just like the, uh, I don't know, it's espionage crap, man. I, I like espionage stuff. Yeah, I, I know I shouldn't, but I do. Nothing Mr. wrong with that. Mr. Mike? I give it a three and a half also. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's a cool story. kind of takes you back to the, well, the old badass Nick Fury. Yeah. Good. And if you like espionage, you might like um, Mercenary C. <laughs> I do like Mercenary C. <laughs> Go, Kurt. You didn't read this one, did you? No, but I'm going to give it a four. All right. Excellent. It, yeah. it, it seems like a, a really fun story. I like, I like how they've done it. You know, if you read it, you would give it a four. 
Yeah. Well, if I read it, I'd probably give it five. It's a, it's a, it's a four. <laughs> it's a five part, so it's not. But yeah, it makes. Is it a four or a five? I, I think it's a five. I think it's a five as well. Cool. Um, but yeah, the, the only thing that surprised me was that Nick didn't beat him inside. Like I kept waiting for him to be like, "Yeah, I've been here for an hour." <laughs> but I love him swinging down with that flamethrower. Um, I I'd definitely give it a three. I really enjoyed it. Um, I was sad to see that it was a mini, but I know why now. So right, I, I think it's going to be a really good story. So, and only because I'm such a big Nick Fury fan. In high school, my buddy and I would send magazines and Nick Fury's name to his dad's house. <laughs> That's funny. And it continued until like ten years after high school. It's hilarious. Yeah. Mr. Nick Fury. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I can't, can't beat that when you're getting a, a magazine subscription for Nick Fury. And I used to have a like a net handle, Agent Fury. Mm, okay. So, I like I like some. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> well, it's nice to see Nick Fury doing something, you know. So I like it. All right, let's go move on to uh, Supergirl number twenty-eight, the Red Daughter of Krypton. Yeah, yeah. Do you? Which honestly, I I did actually have to go back after a while and look at this again because I was like, wasn't the Trostos in the first mm-hmm. panel of this book? But yeah, we, we actually opened the book with um, Atrocitus and his original gang of Red Lanterns that are that are still around with him. And they're raising these red rings and shooting them off into space. And I've forgotten com- kind of completely about the nine rings that they sent out. Because they were going to grab a, a couple of recruits to strengthen their party and then move on. Mm-hmm. And uh, shortly thereafter, of course, Guy Gardner comes in and winds up just desettling everything and taking uh, Atrocitus out out of there, yeah, taking the lead of the Red Lanterns. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have this whole scene where we see the the rings fly off into space, and then we catch up with Supergirl, which is what she's been doing the last couple episodes or issues, beating the heck out of new fake Lobo or. New real Lobo? Emo Lobo? Emo Lobo. That's a good name for him. Emo we, Lobo. We use that for now, yeah. And a lot of like what's being said in here is like from his point of view. But um, a couple of issues before, she wound up fighting against him, and she wound up straight like breaking his neck thinking she killed him. And she didn't know what to do with him, so she brought him to... Xeno Containment? Yeah, block planet. She uh, Vertus, uh, her place. She's been doing experiments to like learn what Superman's capacity was, and to like help him understand the super suit and everything on Earth. The funny thing is, like, she kind of appeared out of nowhere at the beginning of. Um... Oh shit! What's his name? The artist. Frank Stallone. No, he was doing the. Uh... First stuff in Red Lanterns, or uh, in Red Hood and the Outlaws. Rockerford. Oh, yeah, Rockerford. Like, at the beginning of Rockerford's run, she shows up and is doing kind of experiments on him and, like, learning what his capacity is for, like, how much solar radiation he can hold and how long that takes to dissipate and stuff. So, I guess she's kind of become the alien scientist to go to with... Like, anything? Yeah. Yeah. Because we haven't really established... um, Star 
Kind of, but not... As much? Yeah. So I think, like, his old his old place to go whenever he had a question was Star Industries, right? Star Labs, yeah. Star Labs, yeah. And that's not been quite as well built up in the new 52. So. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. She thought she killed Lobo. Emo Lobo. She took him here. Lobo's not as dead as we thought. So now she's kicking his ass again. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Lobo's not as dead as we thought. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, Lobo's big motivation in life is to find the other Lobo that he says is a Stones. fake to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's just alone? <laughs> I don't know, man. Oh, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> well, it's time to get back to that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's who he's looking for, Rob. <laughs> maybe, maybe he is looking for Stanks alone. <laughs> um, but as as they fight, she's like knocking him through all these labs, and eventually she gets to this giant, uh, gets to this area with this like giant statue. And I want to say he's he kind of recognizes that it could be something that's dangerous. And I think they revealed this before in Superman, but this is an old like fifty two villain, and it took me forever to figure this out today. But it's it's Blaze. Which oh, right. if, you, if you're an old fan of Superman, you might recognize her. She's bad news. But this is just like an effigy of her. And his whole ideal, I guess, at this point, is like he's trying to goad Supergirl on to make as big a mess as possible so that he can get out of her laboratories. And uh, as they continue to fight, that's exactly what she starts think- realizing. is like, like If we don't teleport these guys out of here, they're going to bring the whole mountain down on top of us. And so unwittingly, they kind of give Lobo exactly what he wants. This is a ticket out of her prison. Prison, basically. Yeah. And uh, like the whole time that they're fighting, the sciences lady's thinking about like, man, if they keep smashing stuff up, they might wake some of our other guests that might be even more dangerous up. And so there's definitely a shadowy figure that we see looming in the background here. Looks like Magneto. Does a little bit. He's he's in such a, a shady area. It's kind of hard to say, but I doubt that he crossed dimensions that would be to get, come over here. Get him out of Marvel because it's looking like. Never mind. Well, Magneto doesn't look so good in Marvel right now, anyways. That's what I'm saying. Either way, um, <laughs> so they teleport. Supergirl. I'm sure, it's Blaze. God, <laughs> it's possible. Huh? Yeah, it's the same helmet. But they uh, they teleport Blaze or God dang. They teleport Lobo. Supergirl and Emo Lobo Emo out of the mountains. And um, Emo Lobo kind of is like, yeah, I finally got what I wanted. And so like he whistles, and she's like, why are you whistling at me? I'm not some dog. And the uh, his little Emo spaceship shows up to save him. So stupid. Well, it's basically like, yeah, okay. Lobo has a motorcycle, a space motorcycle. That makes no sense at all. It's awesome. Because he breathes in space, I guess. Yeah. And Emo Lobo has a space moped, kind of. <laughs> he calls it the cutter. Yes. Does he? I didn't even notice that. I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. But um, he's thinking he's home free. Like, he's going to get in his ship and just take off. And it'll be the end of him having to deal with, uh, with Supergirl. And she's got other things in mind, so she's following after him. And he kind of starts trying to talk her into joining him. Because they're both from worlds that have been destroyed, and they're both kind of hunting down the people that ruin their worlds. Uh, in Emo Lobo's mind, regular Lobo, 
And, of course, in Supergirl's mind, like, whoever she thinks has destroyed Krypton. And she kind of has this realization uh, as he brings her to New York, Queens, because he's, you know, he thinks, like, if I bring her to where her home is supposed to be, she won't continue just beating the heck out of me. And we kind of find out that, like, the whole reason he knows that is that he was stealing files from the scientist lady anyways, who has all this information about her. And he thinks, like, that he can use that to manipulate her. And she finally gets to the point where she's just like, I'm sick and tired of being used by all these people. And we kind of see everybody that we've established so far in Supergirl stories. So we see her father, and we see Superman, and we see Brainiac, and we see one of the collectors from Brainiac, and we see Hell, and we see the cyborg Superman. All people that have, like, manipulated her into thinking that they could remake Krypton or do something for her, or want her to be something. Also, she's mad at K-Pass. <laughs> he's, he's just Hell, Mike! <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's like the other things. It's better to just let him have his little way. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, he'll just keep bringing it up. <laughs> I actually like the character, so... But... We, don't, we know that's why we do it. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just figured that was his little thing, so... We'll let you have it. It's fine. <laughs> Can't take it. <laughs> but uh, but she's finished with it. And so she's finished with the planet. She's finished with him. And so she goes back to just beating the crud out of him. And she's super pissed off. Oh, yeah. And basically, like, Supergirl has pretty much just been super pissed off most of the series. Um... From here, we kind of catch up with her old roommate, uh, the Silver Banshee. And she's evidently got a new roommate here. And, uh, like, Silver Banshee decides she's got to go out and get into this. Like, Silver Banshee's been one of the few people that's actually connected with Supergirl on Earth without having Supergirl have a little meltdown about it. So she actually wants to respond as a friend. But um, while Supergirl's, like, beating the heck out of emo... uh, Lobo here, one of the Red Rings recognizes her rage and decides to come and induct her into the uh, into the Red Corp. Yeah, and during their battle, what, what, not- what alerted Silver Banshee in the first place is that um, there's basically just giant explosions going on out outside of uh, or basically out of their outside of their apartment over in the park, and yeah, like. It, Supergirl's not like totally, it's not a one sided ass kicking contest, but it's pretty close. I mean, she's pretty well having her way with him. And yeah, maybe he's got more fighting skill, but in the same sense that, you know, when you're blind rage punching, it's pretty easy to miss once. And she is definitely angry. Blind rage, yeah, she's pissed, pissed. Mm-hmm. Like, she's pretty much mad all the time, but she's constantly been lied to and tricked, and Out it's like control. all the same. Yeah, it's all the same stuff that make you so mad at the character that make the book so good. Is, is that whole she just lives constantly lives in unicorn time, like she's in a perpetual state of it. And at this point, she's like, "I've had enough. I'm gonna kill everything," which is awesome. Kind of yeah. But um, Lobo manages to kind of get away from her long enough that he can call his his cutter. To him, his... he whistles for his, for his for his spaceship. Yeah, and uh, he's just figuring like I'm done. I'm gonna get the hell out of here. And as soon as he 
starts to get into it, she unleashes her heat vision and just cuts the thing in half. And he's kind of like, oh, you blew up my bike. That's not fair. <laughs> um, and then from there, like, she just, like, is just wailing on him. And, like, she's just letting out all of her frustration of, like, how she feels like she doesn't belong here. She can't remake Krypton. She doesn't know where she should be. She's tired of all these powers. And, like, at the height of her anger, she's like, I don't belong anywhere. And that's where the ring comes down and, like, tells her that she basically belongs with the Red Lanterns. And um, Silver Banshee kind of makes her way into the wreckage of Lobo's Cutter and finds him all beaten up on the ground there. She's looking for Korra, and uh, she kind of calls out for her. And she's like, is, is that you? And we see Korra for the first time with the Red Lantern ring all foaming at the mouth and like... She looks badass. Yeah, she she looks, yeah. yeah, she looks freaking awesome. There's a lot of action in this book, so there wasn't a whole lot of like... Well, yeah, there's not a whole lot of dialogue between A and B, but... But it's, <laughs> it is good to see Emo Lobo get in the... Well, yeah, he gets beat. Yeah. Anytime he's getting his ass kicked, it's great. Uh, it's... Can I make one quick observation? Sure. Yes. On the last page, it says next, Red Daughter of Krypton. And the of Krypton part is the Iron Maiden font. <laughs> Just so you guys know. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that is really cool. Oh, yeah. I didn't catch that. <laughs> it is. But, uh. Cool. Yeah, one of the things that's. It's hard to describe why Supergirl has been so good and I've tried a couple of times but like the big thing is that she just she just feels like it's a regular like it feels like it's a girl's perspective in the book and it drives me crazy sometimes because she does things and just like totally like the the facts will be presented to her and she totally just ignores that and goes her own way and so there's a lot of times where you're just like damn it Cora what the hell are you doing um, but it plays out so well because you can get angry with the character for making stupid decisions. And like any time that you can do that with a, a character in a comic, like I think you've succeeded really well. If you can be upset with their personality, <laughs> you've succeeded as a writer. <laughs> and so it's actually kept me with the book for a long time because of that. Just like I'll get so done with been the book with it from the start. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get done with a, a, a book and I'll just be like, "Damn it, Cora, why did you do this?" And then I kind of go. Yeah, if I'm if I'm this upset with who she is, this like, the same dude that's written it through the whole thing, or do you know? I don't I think don't so. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. <clears throat> I don't know who started that series, but so far they've they've sold it through very well. So you know, like when I, I when, think that is a original writer, because yeah. he started out on New Warriors too, or New Guardians. Mm. And he also wrote that Rebels book with Drill Docs. Oh, yeah. Which I, I love that book, anyways. Yeah, that's pretty good. Which I'm kind of surprised that he would want to do the new Lomo. But. Well, DC's maybe made him. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, he probably didn't have a choice. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a business, so yeah, that's true. They seem to be. They really want that to work, and I don't think it's yeah, I don't think it will. catching. But we'll see. Work for hire. Hey! But, um,. Yeah, they've done a really good job of it, and it's it's sad that this isn't the Korra that we knew before, but at the same time, she's really grown onto her own yeah, kind of character. character wise, so. The, so at the beginning, I read the first five, and then I kind of fell off in the middle, but the way she was written at the very beginning was so different. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I 
Yeah, it's like you were saying, man. She's just so infuriating. But man, it makes the book fucking good, man. Like, I. It, it you sounds don't, retarded. You don't hear much about it, though, either. No, it, no. It, this doesn't get any traction because people aren't. I don't know. It's Supergirl, <clears throat> so it, it didn't get any traction when they put Emo Robo in it either. No, that was supposed to be that. Yeah, because I was gonna pick up the book right before that started, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can't do that. I really can't. Well, hopefully the storyline will bring a little bit more readers to the Supergirl story. But yeah, they they really created a ton of new things for her on her own. Like they created the new exo suit character. The guy that was like that, almost like a jellyfish thing right. that merged with him. Freaking weird. Like he was really unique. Uh, Hell Story was a big deal in her book. Um, so I thought that Cyborg was Superman. Superman. Yeah. Sorry. Cyborg so it was hers too. Yeah. Hell yeah, crossover. Hell yeah, crossover. Oh yeah. <laughs> so um, is he dead or what's the deal? Oh, Cyber Superman. No, that that yeah. It's Hell. hard to say because I thought they killed him at the end of Hell on Earth, and then we brought him back for this whole time travel um, event. On. Yeah, o- over a bunch of. Uh, a bunch of the annuals. Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy, because I don't think Hell was ever a real Kryptonian person. I think he was actually like a mass of cells that uh, Jarrell shot out to see what the different solar radiations would affect. Like, he knew that Kryptonians uh, could, could store solar radiation, but he didn't know what the effects would be. At least one of the stars that he passed by made him a full sentient human being, but it also gave him a bunch of abilities that none of the other Kryptonians had. Uh, when he was on Earth, he was convinced that he was another Krypton, a Kryptonian, and that it was important for him to remake Krypton, and that he was going to have uh, Supergirl help him. He didn't mention that he was probably going to like destroy the planet to reform it. Um, but in the story where he takes them back to Krypton and kind of does time travel... He's found out that he was never even a real person. And so he's wanting to destroy Jarrell, but he kind of pulls Superboy, Supergirl, and Superman with him to that time period. So, is he gone? Is he not gone? I don't know. But he's he's actually a pretty nasty little villain. But he mostly was manipulating Supergirl because she, she wanted to be manipulated, kind of. Yeah. She doesn't appear to be super bright, necessarily, but not... She has her moments, like, she she actually mentions it later on when she's dealing with Cyborg Superman, like, why do I always trust boys that promise me Krypton? <laughs> like, she, she, she wants to be, she wants to have what she wants, and so, like, when people bring something to her that she thinks is going to give her what she wants, she just follows she's it naive. and doesn't think about it. Yes. Yeah. But she does want to be normal. She, yeah, she doesn't want to have any of the powers. And now that she has the powers, she doesn't like she she revels in doing something with them, but at the same time she'd rather not have them, mm-hmm. which is a little different than the coral that I knew, where where she got the powers and she was like, heck yeah, I'm gonna do stuff with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna fix things. Yeah, but she also doesn't immediately accept Superman. Oh yeah, which is a big like difference in her personality and her character. So she still kind of thinks Superman might be trying to play her because she remembers him as a baby and has, you know, she so she can't really accept. Clark as as Superman. So yeah, of all the weirdos that she trusts and just gives blind faith to, yeah, not Superman. Clark, Kal-El? No, no, you're lying to me because you're an adult now. He must be up to something. 
we might be able to rebreed Krypton from my from my blood and destroy this planet. That's possible. No, you can't possibly be grown up. She'll trust a dude with a cape on his ass. I knew I was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> you, 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 I know. You were yeah. leading. Yeah. <laughs> we telegraphed. We telegraphed. Backwards. <laughs> but, um, so you did you read the, the Supergirl Peter David, any of that that he wrote? Was that volume two? I, I think so. Sterling Gates wrote the prior, before the So it must have been. Well, I read most of Sterling Gates stuff, but I, I don't know if I read Peter David's stuff. Yeah, that was so way prior. Was, uh, which was the one that had the brunette that would, was a skater chick? That would have been Peter David. Was that I Peter think. David? I did read some of that then. Okay. Not a whole lot, but I read That's some that of trade I, I brought in that day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I read some of that stuff. It wasn't bad. I liked it. They are actually playing with the idea that she might be, she might have that angelic fire too. What's his name? He he did Witchblade. Oh, what uh, was his name? No, the other one. And it was the artist for Witchblade. Oh, the Michael artist Turner. for Witchblade. Michael Turner. Oh yeah. When Michael Turner was doing the uh, the run for Superman, Batman, and sh- she showed up, and she kind of had that angelic flame version of her. Yeah. Evidently, they're keeping that. In continuity, so it's going to be something that will appear again and again in Supergirl over time. Huh. But it has to do something with her um, connection to magic. Because unlike Superman, she's not totally weakened by it. And half of that's because, I guess... Uh, Just by corrupt dudes. There you go. <laughs> well, her father evidently was experimenting on her to try to make her be able to survive better if Krypton was going to be wiped out. And so he did some funky stuff. But that's kind of a creeper. It's weird. Yeah, he did some creepy shit. Yeah. Anyway, Either way. Score book might go. I gave it a three. I've never read a Supergirl book, but uh, this whole Red Lantern thing kind of pulled me in. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's uh, kind of it's pretty cool. I mean, I haven't had any uh, exposure to her before, so we're being pissed off. and <laughs> It's it's pretty cool. Yeah. I never read it either, this this new stuff. Yeah. I'll probably I'll probably give it a... Hate emo Bubba so much. Yeah, that does bring it down. <laughs> yeah, but he's basically getting his ass kicked the whole time. Two and a half. Okay, I'd say. I can see that. It's um, understandable. He I, he is a detractor. It's it's good. It's a good story. It's a good lead in for new readers too. I think. Yeah. yeah so. no. like, they really do try to make you be like, oh, this emo Lobo. He's pretty cool, yeah. but they try to no, sell yeah. it so hard, okay, man. Three because of the last page, <laughs> and the Iron Maiden. Dang it, man! Yeah, ah, that's just that's cool. Dang it! I do, I do ah. enjoy that look of hers. It is a cool look. I, I really do like the way it looks. Like that is a pretty good like, red lantern outfit. Yeah, it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Rob, um, yeah, I probably give it a three as well. I I enjoyed it. I've I've been really happy with the Supergirl stuff. What I like is it. It doesn't just seem like oh well, let's just spice it up. It like it actually seems pretty organic that. Like she would have enough rage to actually bring a lantern ring to her, so right. She's got that abandonment feeling too. Yeah. Right. So that's totally understandable. Yeah, I give it three too. It was as an also. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I, I, I wish timeline wise it would have put this book out two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. I agree, but it's a good uh, prequel too if you look at it that way. Right. That's true. So. 
Yeah, because when I read that issue, and she, it's like, well, when did this happen? Did I miss yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, there was a little dialogue box that said, see you coming out next week or two weeks from now. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were hoping somebody would run with the 3-2 thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You but can't we get didn't. drunk off No, not really. Because <laughs> 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 uh, me and fractions don't go so well together. That's a decimal point. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's more, you know... <laughs> Twenty-five. What is that? Mm-hmm. Although, just just out of turn. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, going into the Red Lantern, Green Lantern flip book, there was something really cool in there that I never thought about, huh. which is that guy's mustache. No, oh, which is uh, awesome. Yeah, it is uh, awesome. Hal and and Guy have never met Supergirl. They right. don't even know that she exists. Yeah, they only know that uh, Superman's the only yeah. companion they know of. And so, like. Kind of the way that Guy was talking about, like Superman getting involved with the Green Lantern affairs, sounds like even Guy has like some issues thinking of Superman as as legit as he mm-hmm. as he used to. But like them having this whole thing where they're they're not sure who she is and how she's connected to Superman, pretty cool. It was yeah. a neat little take, and it was something I hadn't thought about. So good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, good stuff. Uh, books to watch for might go. Uh, Shang-Chi, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Iron Fist book, that Mercenary Sea book, I'll bring that right. up again, uh, Black Science, Batman, of course, Batman Eternal's coming up, right. looking forward yeah. to that. Should we get stuff? Kurt? Well, everything Mike said, Pathfinder should be coming back out. Oh, yeah. Um, in March, I believe. I think so. And, uh... Battlestar Galactica, the classic. Hmm. It's it's really good story. Surprisingly, it, it's good in the Starbuck issues. Yeah, very good. No, yeah. Rob. Um. Well, yeah, Mike took a lot of mine too. Actually, um, we're gonna get a new X Men Legacy run, and Amazing Spider Man is coming back, which I'm gonna be really interested to see what that's. So gonna somebody be about. else. Who else is coming back? Little Blue Elf. Yeah. Well, they're gonna be featuring. Uh, Nightcrawler in X-Men Legacy. So we'll have to see what's going to happen with Amazing. because He's going to get his own series. Is, is that what it's mm-hmm. going to be? They're going to do a Night... Or, yes. They're going to do a Nightwing mini. Night, Night no, they're going to do Nightcrawler. a Nightcrawler <laughs> regular series? Yeah. Huh. yeah. Chris Claremont. Well, mm-hmm. Night, okay. Nightcrawler and... Wolverine. Well, Why is the name Marv Wolfman? It's, it's the leg. I don't know. He wrote right? a lot of X-Men books. Yeah, he did, actually. Yeah, he's a badass. I, he's writing something that's now. That's why. Hmm. He is supposed to be writing something pretty soon, though. We were talking about that a couple weeks ago. No, he is writing. Um, Man, he's writing something. I don't remember what. What it is was that? Now. It's a DC book, isn't it? That's Marvel, I thought. No, I think it's Marvel. I don't know what it was. Well, yeah, continue on. You get, get your prestige there and figure that out. Don't tell everybody. All right. <laughs> um. Man, I feel like there was a book in the tip of my tongue now. I can't remember what it was. That's stupid. Be the wake. Um, we'll wake, yeah, wake. Uh, the new wake comes out next week. Uh, timeline-wise, if you're reading the wake, that part six should be freaking awesome. Um, it's been consistently good too. Revival, if you haven't tried Revival, you really should because it's also like every the end of every book is crazy. It, it's great. I think a new Rat Queens comes out next week if you're reading. Oh that. yeah, well, Rat Queens begin too. Good call there, Slappy Pants. Really? Mix me together. <laughs> <laughs> Where to go? I think it's Superboy that he's writing right now. 
Is it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Superboy doesn't get any love either, but it's actually been a fantastic Well, there's book. a reason for that. Yeah. Marv Wolfman's that's been writing since the 60s. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> Original Firestar. Well, he hasn't. Uh, uh, he hasn't uh, went off the rails yet, no. like most of those guys. No, he's he's been surprisingly yeah. like really really consistent. He's done a lot of good stuff. He was actually doing the uh, the DC Online game for a while with with uh, Jim Lee. Jim. So hmm. he was doing some of the, the programs set up for that storyline. Oh, and watch out for uh, Cyclops, the uh, so the series, which I guess is the name of it actually. What? It's what it's called, Cyclops. It should be oh, from Marvel. Cyclops oh, and the Star Jammers. That would be more apropos, but I believe it's just called Cyclops. If it would be Corsair oh. and the Star Jammers, that would be all over. That's yeah, a good thing though, because yeah. they wanted everybody to love Cyclops sixteen. Uh, that's not a. I don't Where's really he, don't think that's a good back? move. I don't think that's a good move. But yeah. I don't know. It, it'll still be Corsair's running around in space with his son, which would be fun stuff. I always wanted to havoc in the Star Jammers book, but. Apparently Corsair is not dead, so I can't have that. I would rather have Corsair than the Star Jammers. Not Havoc, Havoc would no. Man, it'd be freaking awesome. I don't want no. Well, Havoc could start dressing more like Corsair. I'm not getting a sash. Wouldn't no. be the same. Sweet mustache, yes, <laughs> maybe. And he wouldn't have the sweet mustache shirt either. Well, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Pirate pirate shirt too much, man. <laughs> too much. There's no, there's no telling that he'll come back with the pirate shirt. So, yeah. I, I want to I want to buy that book, <laughs> but I'm not. I can't. I just can't. Well, it'll be tough. You know, I, I think the biggest thing is people will have to like. They're gonna have to overlook that it's Cyclops, or they'll have to overlook that it's the Star Jammers. I mean, maybe this is how Cyclops gets to redeem himself in the Marvel universe. It's possible. Well, he Bingo. hasn't done anything wrong yet. Doesn't see, matter. That, doesn't matter. Kinda, just, just like being oh, that's trial right. in yeah, space. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she's going to trial for the second time. Doesn't yeah. matter. Double jeopardy. Ev- evidently, rules in space come on, Charles Soul. Yeah. Help people. Evidently, space law. It's okay. You can charge people for the same crime over and over again. I guess. I mean, yeah, it was decided that you uh, chose to kill yourself last time, and we didn't really do yeah, anything see, after verdict, that. But the verdict, the now... verdict was handed down. Though, I mean. And that's and that was her the the penalty she had they had to go fight those yeah it was old Jean Grey yeah they had to go fight the Guardian this is the first time young Jean Grey has been now oh, there you go maybe that's what it is <laughs> well you know uh, one, once or twice Get back here, I was Mike. waiting for John Stewart to have to go through his blowing up the planet trial again. that was freaking stupid all right I think that's it right ah Tiki Tiki Speak into your mic, Mike. Yep. Tilt your mic, Mike. And speak into the mic. All right. I'm going to do it.